Here we are. Melanie Baldonado. Hello, Eric Allegria. Comedian, mom, fantastic person, humanitarian. Uh, <laughs> humanitarian. <laughs> yeah, I'm a humanitarian. Sometimes I think I'm a humanitarian too, but I really like humanitarian. <laughs> Less letters to type. Sorry, I, was, I went to special school. <laughs> Worth every penny. <laughs> oh my God. I was thinking the other day that I, I'm a better babysitter because I went to improv school. Like at, least, <laughs> at least the money's not wasted. <laughs> Improv school is great. I mean, when when is the next time we're going to be able to go to a class like that? Oh, I know. Right? It's, don't remind me. It was a really great school. I loved it. I went to the Second City in Hollywood. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, cool. And, uh, yeah, I just, I love that program. And yeah. the teachers are fantastic. And it turns out, though, it seems like a lot of the teachers also have experience at the other big schools, too. Mm -hmm. So... They teach according to the sec the second city method. However, they they have a lot of insight about getting to the jokes a little bit faster sometimes. Like UCB, that seemed to be like UCB it was like you can tell a UCB stand up comedian mm. because they definitely hit their jokes a little bit differently from let's say a Groundlings comedian, yeah, who is very character oriented. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, so I don't know what that makes me as a second city comedian. Uh, are you a purist or do you look at um, other, uh, you know, schools and think they have value as well? I think they all have value. Like, yeah. I think that if I were to go to another school next, it would probably, if it's still around, it would probably have been UCB. Yeah. And then I pro probably would have finished up with Groundlings. Groundlings is more expensive than all of them, but oh, I, you know, they? yeah, but stand up wise, I kind of like stand up is my goal more than acting. Yeah. So I kind of feel like stand up wise, I would really like to get like to the jokes a little bit and just makes sense. And, uh, and the second city is just a lot of it is sketches that are based in reality. Like you couldn't, it's not like, like we're going to go camping and then we're going to take our RV to the moon. You know, it's not like that. Like you have to actually set it. So, so it's almost like when you when you tell jokes that are based in real life, it's really helpful at, at really investigating and looking to like what avenues can you go, what other questions can you ask about what happened, what crazy crap happened, and just diving into your jokes a little bit more stand up wise. Yeah. Oh, right on. Yeah. So there we are. <laughs> yeah. No, it's interesting. I uh, always enjoyed uh, improv. You know. Most of my uh, beginning stand-up was improv because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have any jokes written, you know. So would you just get up there and wing in? Yeah. <gasps> yeah, yeah. Bravery. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I would like I have notepads upon notepads of just like me writing things and writing things. I'm like, that sucks. Like, <laughs> okay, maybe there's something there. They turned around from the Laker game to listen to what I had to say in the beginning. They turned back around to watch the game. <laughs> like, okay, keeping that one <laughs> yeah i mean that's where you know my improv skills developed was in school not writing things down because the <laughs> teacher would ask us to write an essay on you know let's say it was history and uh and we were writing a uh you know uh, uh, an essay on uh you know portland 
right? Mm -hmm. So they wanted like a full page on Portland. I would write a half a page and I would make up the rest because we would read it out loud. So I didn't have to write the whole page, right? So if, if we we're going to read it out loud, I'd just write down like facts, like <laughs> you know, and then I'd make up the rest. Oh my God. So you'd stand up. Like, yeah. And it has trees. Right. Yeah. yeah. Airplanes yeah. fly over Portland. Right. Yeah. Sometimes to go to the other city <laughs> north of it, wherever that city is. It's not too far from Canada. No. <laughs> and I know that because Jeannie over there just said yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, sometimes, yeah, I would be scrambling a little bit because, <laughs> you know, maybe I should have wrote a little bit more. <laughs> oh, my God. I was a totally different student. I was like, yeah? did my homework. Yeah, I was I was a very good student. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I'm still a stand-up comedian. Yeah. So. Where did it go wrong? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think, whose no, fault I'm is it? Like, who's, Christine Little on my podcast was like, do you want your kid to be well-adjusted or do you want your kid to be a stand-up comedian? Uh, <laughs> That's like the most honest question ever. Cause it's <laughs> yeah. Are any of us adjustable? Well, no. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I, I don't know if this happens to you on uh, Facebook, but, uh, you know, like, you know, some friends, uh, you know, that our parents hit me up and they're like, oh, my son wants to be a stand-up comedian. And I'm like, congratulations, you did a horrible job. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Oh, no. People used to ask me questions like, hey, you know, I'd I'd like to be a stand-up comedian, but I'm thinking of either like dropping out of law school to pursue stand-up comedy or like or just going to law school and then pursuing stand-up, com- like graduating and then yeah. pursuing stand-up comedy. And there's part of that is like, no. <laughs> no like, just no. no. Just finish that degree. Yeah. Take the bar. Yeah. And then go to an open mic then. And yeah. then you'll know once you get on stage if this yeah. is something you want to do. Mm-hmm. But like, don't go now. Yeah, because if you go now and it's something you want to do, like that's just wasted tens of thousands of dollars yeah. in terms of where you've been. Like you're that close. You're three yeah. years in law school, and now you're like, ah, oh, maybe I want to do something else. Like you will do something else because you're doubting that you want to continue to law school, but you don't really want to risk that on stand up comedy. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I usually tell people, you know, to quit, to not do it. <laughs> you know. I don't encourage this, <laughs> you oh, know, man. if I knew it was going to be this much work uh, and this hard, you know, to begin with, I would have never started. <laughs> I just would have started. No. <laughs> I think, think about that one though, because I I think that, and this is because I've seen you on stage and you're just a natural. Thank like you. Like you're, you're, so I think that, if you hadn't done this, you would have lived your life thinking that there's something else for you. And, you know, like, let's say that you did become a lawyer like that person. Like, cool, but you would have been like, ah, like, like, what, I just, this isn't what I want. Because um, I do have a Steve Harvey joke. I don't think, he's like, he's not God. He's not God. (laughs) But there are sometimes when he says things and, uh, and he's just dead on. And, and he was talking about stand-up comedy once. And he said, you just know. 
Like the the moment that you do stand up comedy, you know whether you were supposed to do it, like forever. Like it's just born in you. You just that's who you are, and that's all you can really be. And um, yeah, so this is who we are. This is who we are. Yeah, I don't know if it's if it's that feeling of knowing that this is what you were meant to be, or just the overwhelming. Uh, rush of adrenaline that we get uh, the first time on stage. Oh, yeah. Right? The I'm, first laugh? Yeah. Oh, that was it. Right. That was it. That's what I'm saying. It was like, all right, I'm going like, to do this again. I don't know right. how. I'm going to replicate this again and again and again. That's that's so true. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, no drug is that. that Pure. Par- yeah. Yeah. Than, than that of uh, getting your first laugh on stage. That's true. Well, you know, that's very true. The thing is, is that it's not even, you know how they call it like chasing the dragon, like you get your first high. Like with stand-up, it's not even that I need that first rush of adrenaline ever again because I know that I can get it Mm -hmm. just by being better. And in terms of drugs, usually like if you get it, like it's really messing you up and tearing you down, Mm -hmm. you know. But with stand-up, it's like, the better that you get, the more reward you get. It's almost like completely behavioral. Yeah. You know, if, if someone says like, you're doing great at this, I like this, I like this. Laughter is like your, your reassurance. Yeah. Um, and that you're doing the right thing, I guess, at your dream. So yeah. you just keep on doing it. Yeah. The problem is we live in LA and nobody likes to pay anyone in LA. Yeah. That is a problem. Yeah. Like, I, I was talking... So I, I had an outdoor show, it was the first show for every comedian that wasn't a Zoom show in six months. So, and Augustina was on that show, but we were talking about how, what a, a huge loss it's been to us not to be able to go out and perform and, and, but not just like the loss, like of the laughs, but also just the sense of, of people coming together to one place and they just want to just let go and laugh. And like also like the community, when you laugh with other people at a comedy show, like you look at, you look at strangers and you're rolling and you just, it's just, it's such a, it can be, it can be like such a really good space for just healing and for remembering our, some of the common threads that we have, like whether it's like a crazy dad or, you know, or like the things our spouses do, girlfriends, kids, Kira Sultanovich was there too, and she she had this hilarious joke about how she's teaching her kids at home right now, and she's like the sub. She's the substitute teacher, so like her kids are just like, she was in school, and they're like, Mom, like just put on a movie. Like, <laughs> what are you trying to teach? It was just so dead on, just great, and like everybody feels that. Yeah. Everybody who has a kid who has seen another, uh, they, they even if you don't have a kid, you can see how that was you in school yeah. when the sub came and they were actually trying to teach the lesson plan. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're like, dude, are you serious? Yeah, like, aren't you just here to make sure that we don't poke each other with pencils? Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Oh man, yeah, I gave uh, the substitute teachers hell. That's that's what we were supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> I remember in eighth grade, there was a substitute teacher who was like the surfer guy and he was like a little bit younger and like, I didn't have a crush on him or anything. I don't know if any of the girls did, but, um, 
it was like very much a school where like a lot of people, a lot of kids were like very academic. Like you didn't, if like maybe 10 kids used drugs that you knew of, you know, mm-hmm. in the whole school. Yeah. And somehow there was this rumor that a kid at another junior high school died from smoking marijuana. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so we have the surfer guy person. And I was like, did you hear about the kid who died from smoking marijuana? <laughs> 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 <And> <laughs> the thing was like, his reaction was this one where he was like, where I was like, wait a minute, maybe you can't die from smoking marijuana. Cause he was like, are you sure that's true? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I heard about it. He's like, he was just smoking marijuana. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. And he was like, huh? <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. Is marijuana not that dangerous? <laughs> like, what are you trying to say here, Mr. Surfer substitutes? <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. So I was like, oh, maybe it's not that dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, his job really wasn't on the line. Like a regular teacher had to be like, oh, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah, don't smoke marijuana. I've never smoked marijuana. <laughs> it's just really bad stuff. Stay away from the green. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. Yeah. it's. Uh, I was actually a late bloomer when it came to marijuana. I didn't really start uh, hitting it until 24. Oh, that yeah. is a later. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, because I was a jock. So I pretty much, uh, you know, love, you know, being, you know, active and like in wrestling and football and uh gymnastics and stuff um but it was good because i didn't realize that i would definitely need it until i was older (laughs) 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 and that's why you know like i i think that you know that's a good thing to communicate to kids because i don't think you know it's a great idea to kids are going to do it anyways but it's not a good idea to do it when you're 15 to like 20 because your brain is still developing and it's definitely gonna you know even though you know it's it's harmless and it's not going to kill you but it will stunt your you know the growth of your you know your brain i I believe i think the brain and the emotional development Mm -hmm. for sure yeah and then too with the hormonal changes that you're going through in like junior high and high school and just like i mean it's hard enough there and so to kind of drown yourself with the depressant yeah you know i don't think yeah. that that's like a really good option yeah it's, it's a really good time to learn how to problem solve and cope it's on okay cool yeah yeah it's on uh it, it's a really good time to learn how to problem solve and cope and you know when things don't go your own way to to respond and to get over things and if you're constantly just you know on drugs and alcohol then yeah yeah, yeah. It's it, yeah, it's 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 tough. The thing is, uh, it's it's usually abused, so it's on a daily basis. So if you did it like every once in a while, it wouldn't be as bad. But like people, what weed, it's just it, they make it a daily thing, and that's something that that that's just. I mean, I don't think it should be a daily thing. No, unless CBD, CBD, I could see. Right, but that's like yeah, it's different from straight marijuana. Yeah, like they've yeah. The CBD is very different. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that every... Okay, I told you I was on a coffee fast. Yeah. Like, my thing is, like, every day I have one to two cups of coffee. Yeah. And and I'm just trying to not be dependent on something. Yeah. And so right now it's coffee. So I'm doing a coffee fast for 10 days. 
and you know what are, if, if this is probably the wrong week to pick since like we're gonna have a three-hour <laughs> conversation <laughs> yeah but yeah well, coffee there's fast. always cocaine <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, not again. <laughs> <laughs> it's not coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I kept my fast. Yeah, yeah. I'm winning. <laughs> I am not a loser. Mm. That's great, man. Uh, yeah, man, those fasts uh, are interesting. Yeah, I, I can't do a food. Have you ever done a food fast? Yeah. I did. Yeah, I did a water fast. Yeah. Wow. Six days, man. I started... You know, hallucinating. Yeah. It was nuts. <laughs> You're like, I'm doing this again? Yeah. <laughs> were they good hallucinations? No. No, you're like, I'm not. <laughs> well, what were they? Uh, like, you know, like a cheeseburger, like trying to hunt me down. <laughs> <gasps> yeah. Really? Like, you're going to, no. I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember. I'm believing you over here. <laughs> no, it's tough, man. It's, you know, and people do it more than, I mean, yeah, it was like, you know, six days for me. And yeah, it was it was brutal, but some people do it for twenty days, thirty days. Wow! Yeah, it's crazy what the body could endure. Yeah, I, I don't I don't want to put my body through that. Yeah, <laughs> like I I like yeah I like chocolate and cheese and yeah. Oh, speaking of chocolate, I gotta get you a, a chocolate. I guess. <laughs> That's okay. Hold it on. doesn't have to happen now. Oh, you're so sweet. Yeah. Well, then I told you. Uh, I know. So I'm on the coffee fast, everyone. And so as part of, uh, you know, Eric said, you know, can I said the things that I would have a hard time with saying no to are like coffee and chocolate. But I picked coffee. And uh, so chocolate is still in there. Yeah. I still eat chocolate. Oh, Ooh, what's up? I, yeah. Now I won't be Danny DeVito sitting in this chair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a. I'm on a Snickers kick lately, and it's like I just been craving Snickers like like a madman. And it doesn't help that Ralph had them on special, you know, four for a dollar, five dollars. The oh, king four size for, ones. Oh, nice. Yeah, those that that's oh, not yeah. the king size one. That yeah. that one I got at Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> how long? How old is this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's gonna crack in my mouth. Does Home Depot even sell Snickers? <laughs> no, but I did because I, I was I was starving and I was in the checkout uh, lane at the Home Depot and there there it was. So, oh my goodness! <laughs> so I have to. So there was a time doing stand up when I was like I would leave shows and I was like I have not had any dinner and uh, if. Like after I pay for gas from driving here, I will have forty. I will have made forty dollars. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, and I would go to the gas station, and this, this is what got me home: yeah. Snickers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Snickers. It's a meal replacement. <laughs> <laughs> it has your protein with yeah. the peanuts. It sure has does. Some simple sugars. Uh, yeah. I believe there are some um, vegetables in this nugget. <laughs> like, I don't know what kind, but yeah, you know, corn syrup for corn. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's another vegetable. Does this have high fructose? Oh, you know what? This doesn't. Oh, it has corn syrup, yes. But yeah. it does not have high fructose oh, corn syrup. Oh, okay. There but, you, go. you know, yeah, very nice. Yes, yeah. yes. And you know what? They're sticking skim milk in here. <laughs> skim milk. <laughs> but God. then wait. And then they're adding lactose and milk fats. Ooh. Why don't you just give me some whole milk and be done with it? You know, I'm cool. <laughs> just like whole milk. Sure. Like, no, no. It has skim milk. Lower calories for a moment until you read further. <laughs> Again, 
palm oil skim milk. Okay. All right. Two yeah. times on the skim milk. Just nice. letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> skim milk. Don't. Oh, yeah. yeah. Whoever read the health facts on a Snickers? Yeah. I'm well. really. Nobody's. Stop it, Hershey. <laughs> Who makes you? Who makes Snickers? Packed with pink. Who makes Snickers? The Mars Company? I'm not sure. Yeah, I believe you. Oh, did yeah, you? Yeah, you're right. Mars Wrigley. Wait, Mars Wrigley. What do they do? Does the Mars Company own the Chicago Cubs? I don't know. I'm not sure. This we need to find out. This is a mystery of conglomerates. Yeah. Dun dun dun. I was reading what? about the Mars family a long time ago. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess one of the daughters runs it now. Okay. And she's like a mogul. Mm. Like, because there are families like, like the Walmart family, whoever the Walmart people are. What are they called? The Waltons? The Walgreens? The Wall? They're the Wallers? Whatever they are. The I, thought they're, I thought their last name was Walmart. <laughs> no? No, it's like, what? Are you sure? No. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because, <laughs> because there's like Kmart and Safemart and yeah. just like Walgreens and Walmart. <laughs> but what, I think they're, I don't know. I'm saying the Waltons, but that's like a, I, I'm so tired. I guess this, <laughs> this coffee fast is really getting to me. I'm hallucinating names. <laughs> but um, so they're like part of like the richest families, like inherited wealth and all of that. And then uh, the the Mars family is also there, but I guess like, the daughter is the one who like took charge and she was like, step aside brothers. And she just made it grow. Oh, nice. Yeah. God bless her. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. What are the Walt? What are they? Are they the Waltons? No, who is like the Walmart family? Don't know. Yeah. Don't know. I mean, they just get rich, you know, hiring yeah. people part time so they don't have to pay any <laughs> help. Leave a comment uh, <laughs> below if you know who the. I think it's the Walmart family. <laughs> yeah. Not to be confused with the Kmart family. <laughs> well, that family, I think that most of the Kmarts have closed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the Sears family, I think. Mm-hmm. How many Sears are there? Are there any Sears left? I don't think so. No. Yeah. Yeah. The JC Pennies of the world. Yeah. Yeah. No. I don't. I mean, the Walgreens I, family. The Walgreens. What happened? What happened to the Walgreens? Maybe they are the Walgreens. I don't. I, but I thought they were like the Wall something. Don't I know, know that um, the Wrigley family owns Catalina Island. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't know that? Have you been there? Yeah. Okay. Because you're a Californian. Yeah. But I didn't know they owned that island. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, actually, the that was their spring training place where they the Chicago Cubs used to spring chain. Nice. Yeah. And now it's all in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. For the for the Arizona state. Yeah. And it's but it's, it's pretty cool because you could go to Catalina Island and uh, get a Cubs shirt. It says... Nice. Chicago Cubs, uh, Catalina Island, which is pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, I love that place. It's pretty. Yeah. Yeah, it is pretty. Yeah. It's beautiful. I want to backpack it. Yeah? Yeah. I've I've never backpacked that island, but I've backpacked Santa Cruz. Oh, okay. That's a cool one. Oh, is it? Nice. I've always wanted to go to Santa Cruz. So, here's... I highly recommend this this way to Santa Cruz. If they are still in business, 
Killer, please keep this company in business. There is a company called Island Packers in Ventura. It's out of the Ventura Harbor, and they take a catamaran to the islands, like day trips. So you can take one in the morning and then just hop back on, like at the meeting time, and then come back. Or you could stay a few nights and then, you know, hop back on or stay a week. It doesn't matter because there's campsites. But if you stand at the front of the catamaran, like the dolphins, every single time the dolphins will kind of swim with you so you get to see that. But they have a tour guide, too, that will take you to the national park side. And the only way that you can go on this side of the island is to do to go with the tour guide. I have never had a tour guide there that I've been disappointed with. And I've been mm. there several times, and they're all very different. Cool. Like, they're just, like, it's it's a wonderful experience. It's, I mean, it's a day trip that what will cost you, like, maybe 100 bucks if you mm. do the day trip. I think it's, like, 60 bucks to get out there, maybe. I don't know. But either way. Worth every penny. Great hiking experience. And then, uh, yeah, you could stay for a few days and backpack and set up tents and hike the island. I thought Santa Cruz was up north by San Francisco. Oh, okay. So, no, off of there is Santa Cruz, the city, but there are three islands off of Ventura. Yeah. Like, uh, what? Oh, my God. I can't believe it. One of them is called, yeah, one of them is called Santa Cruz Island. Oh, I didn't know that. So, I think there's, um, Oh, my God. How am I forgetting this? I don't know how I'm forgetting this because I grew up out there. Yeah. I know Santa Cruz is one of them. It's not like San Simeon. It's like Santa Cruz, San... Don't, no idea. Yeah. I am... This is what happens when you don't have coffee, (laughs) I guess. But, yeah, Santa Cruz Island is out there. Santa Bay, Santa Ray, San... Santa something? Who knows? I I know there are, like, streets named after. I'm trying to think. Anacapa. Okay, there is one, Anacapa, Santa Cruz, and then there's one more. Oh, my goodness. The Venturans are going to kill me. I'll never be able to perform there again. <laughs> okay, so I, yeah. at least I got Anacapa. I got yeah. Anacapa, Santa Cruz, and then... Which one's the biggest one? I think it's Santa Cruz. Okay. And you backpacked yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. How, how far is it from uh, uh, Ventura? I mean, it felt like it was like maybe an hour and a half trip. I don't know. It seemed to go very quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, it also helped in that, you know, I was like looking at dolphins and it was just a great time. <laughs> That's so cool. I could be wrong. It could mm-hmm. be like a two and a half hour trip, but it just felt very fast. Yeah. So it's it's only for, the, there's no city there, right? No, no. So there's no, like they do have bathrooms kind of like there's a small camping area. You can get a camping spot or you could like backpack it and just stay uh-huh. you know, off trail, like really actually backpack yeah. the island. And that's what we did. We just stayed off trail and backpacked. But, um, and like set up tents and like very uncomfortable little rolling things that are supposed to be soft, but they're not very soft. I mean, they're just, you know, like to sleep on. They're yeah. like those pads, like foam pads oh, that yeah. are supposed to make it's like, you're not going to sleep on the ground, but you're not going to sleep at all either because they're not comfortable. Like, you'll oh. sleep from fatigue, from hiking. Like, yeah. that's that's why you'll sleep. Yeah. Uh, when we were there, there was this very cool thunderstorm that happened, which is great, because in California, how many thunderstorms do we get? Like, Never. none. But I guess they happen frequently on the islands, uh-huh. which is fantastic. But because we weren't used to it, we didn't set up the little block of the, you know, <laughs> like, to block out the rain on the tent. So, like, oh. we were, like, looking at the stars when we fell asleep, and then... Uh, and then we woke up to like loud noises and just pouring rain <laughs> into oh, wow. the tent. <laughs> but it's all right. Dry it off the next day. And <laughs> here's another interesting thing. They actually, I guess there's, there is a home there because some 
I think Humphrey Bogart had a home that ended up, of course, falling apart, but they used to go to the islands and just kind of party there like the Hollywood people to just like get away, just like Hearst Castle. Yeah. Like, this is my place. Yeah. And because they have a boat, right? Yeah. They're just like, can you imagine? How many people get to do that? Yeah. Yeah. So cool. That's great. They Here's another, th- I, I don't know why I remember all of these facts. Do you remember coffee commercials when we were kids? Oh, yeah. Like the songs and all the commercials? Yeah. The best part of waking up. Yeah. Oh, my God. Folgers in the cup. And like none of us grew up to buy Folgers. <laughs> <So> <laughs> like, really? I drank my parents. Did you? Yeah. yeah. And they let me as a kid. It was great. Mine too. Maybe that's what we were messed up. Is that what it is? No, that's actually. Why are we messed up, Eric? Is it because we <laughs> drink coffee as kids? <laughs> <laughs> no, Melanie, that's other reasons. We're okay. messed up for other reasons. Okay. Not because we drank coffee. <laughs> actually, you know, because of my ADD, coffee would have been, I would have been a better student. Same you know for that, me, right? though. Same okay. for me, actually. Speed. Yeah. Speed. Yeah. Uh, you got ADD? It's, yeah. That's a okay. negative feedback loop. Yeah. There it is. I can teach about that to you guys if you want. Ah, like, nice. okay, you yeah, want to hear? Okay. Let's hear it. Here's the scientific reason why uh, ADD medication works to calm people with actual ADD and ADHD. Our bodies work off at something called a negative feedback system. So let's say that you go out and you work out mm-hmm. and, and your body temperature gets hot. Your yeah. cooling system kicks in. So it, when you hit that, that threshold of my body is too hot, then you start to sweat. And uh-huh. it's, it kicks in to bring that body temperature down. The same works with your blood sugar, your heart rate. Yeah. Okay, like everything. Like you hit this like point and then this feedback system. So if you go here, the feedback system is to bring it down because it wants you to get back to a steady point. When it comes to ADD or ADHD, your functioning point for the negative feedback system is higher than normal. So you have to come up to here to get down. And so what caffeine does is it pushes you to that point so that your negative feedback system can come down and like some, like any hormones that help you get calm and like the endorphins for instance it'll give you a little bit of like natural dopamine mm. to bring you back down to bring your brain from going like to going right okay yeah i can settle down and do this right so yes the negative feedback system i've never heard about the negative feedback system yeah 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 but i know it's true too because you know, something about the speed, it because our brain, you know, it's going up like, I don't know, 2,000 miles a minute. And that speed, you know, kind of like make us, it makes us focus more. I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, what's interesting to me is that right now with technology on our phones and all the stimulus that we get, mm-hmm. like the phone addiction, I think, is going to be like one of the next things that people are going to have to break. Yeah. Uh, but also, like, our brains were not made to function with this much productivity. Mm. So so I don't, I don't really know. I would really love to read research on, like, just phone activity and computer activity now. Because as a society, it says something like we are, like, 40% more productive than, the, than we were 20 years ago. Just, mm. like, what we do, like, with computers and produce, like, just... In general, the general workforce is 40% more productive. It is not reflected in the way that we are paid, mm. you know, but in general, we have raised the productivity level. So, and that is very helpful with technology, but just the human, mm. the human yeah. self. So, yeah. and we'll see if our brains are ready for everything that we're doing too with Zoom and yeah. our kids. 
Right. Every day. Well, that's why I believe that, you know, we're going to merge, you know, at some point our brains are going to be like, okay, we're tapped out. This is as much as we can handle. And, and we're going to become computers. Yeah. No. <laughs> like, do you think, yeah. do you think maybe? Yeah. We'll no, just no, start, start acting like computers. Like this is no, my function. No, no we're going to have computers in us. I mean, Whoa. Elon Musk is already, he's, it's like, you should hear him talk about it. It's just completely normal to him. You know what I mean? He'll just talk to you like, yes, we're going to have a chip in our head and that is going to help us compute. It's just everything. Yeah. Think about it. Like there's only so much we, uh, you know, memory we have that we could. Right. There's, there's a limit. And it to fades. It. Right. And it fades. Yeah. There's a lot of problems with it. But if you had a chip in there, a little SSD, right? Okay. Boom. This Her name's Sarah. She lives in, you know, Thousand Oaks. You know, her address is. 28 something boom and it stays there so when you need to recall it boom it, you go in your little ssd card and it never fails okay so i need that for all of my jokes right now <laughs> 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 like, like who that'd be great but yeah. i don't yeah he's you know but see I'm, I'm also a believer though that even though like i believe that god created the heavens and the earth and all of that i do believe that we evolve and get better and mm-hmm. so do animals in fact we were talking about hiking in catalina island mm-hmm. uh, they actually like some people i guess who they dropped pigs off on the island so that they could hunt the pigs so they could just go and like for sport well what happens though is that the pigs adapted within two generations to their new surroundings and they actually started to grow long teeth for hunting Mm. so it became went from pig hunting just straight farm pigs to like boar hunting within two generations like like the evolution of survival like yeah so they call like the survival of the fittest so to speak but i also think that our brains will evolve just like we now have longer life expectancies i think that that we will naturally evolve. And so to almost like stick a chip in our brain mm-hmm. is going to hinder the natural evolution of us getting better as a species due mm-hmm. to adaptation. That yeah. is just like me yeah. thinking that right now, yeah. like to be honest with you, like I don't really need to know Sarah's name from thousand Oaks. Yeah. If I'm only going to see her once. Yeah. And if I see her and recognize her, like, didn't we meet? Then she can tell me like, yeah, my name's Sarah. I think we met in thousand yeah. Oaks. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. or we could just like, like we will lose that connection yeah. to others of just like re- remembering yeah. where we knew each other from. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I love a lot of the things with technology, but I also yeah. think that what it's doing to the human race sometimes is really like taking things away. For yeah. instance, they, they have kind of like a, a Google here. I don't know if Google makes it, but it's a hearing aid where you can program. It's a translator. Yeah. So you can travel as a, as a person to any country and you can type in or program the language that they're speaking and then they can speak to you. And then that little earpiece will translate for you to your language. And so you can make, uh, yeah. so, it's so it's amazing. And like, I don't know like how, how well it is in terms of production and, and if it's like already on the market or if they've perfected it. But I knew that that was something that they were working on when I was at CES which is like the, cons- it's like a consumer electronic. It's just like this big electronic geeky sort of like, this is all the new technology and it's yeah. this big thing. It's like Comic-Con, right? Yeah. Or but for it's, technology? Yeah, it's for technology and it's incredible. Yeah. Um, you went to it? I used to be a model a long time ago. Nice. <laughs> and so I used to work CES. Oh. Um, 
So what did you, you used to model? Oh, my God. Okay. Oof. Again, this is a long time ago. <laughs> um, so for different trade shows, uh-huh. they, they will have young, good-looking people yeah. there to, to talk about the product or, or to field, get information from people who want to know about the product, to get people to the booth. So they'll teach you about their products. So I've been a model for, like, at World of Cement. I've been a model at, that's another conference where it's just all, like, just all the construction, all, like, the big, oh, it's wow. like World of Cement. So, I mean, you just see these giant, and Vegas is so, I love Vegas, but it's just this big convention. It's huge. It's a convention center. And I've seen some of the biggest machinery I've ever seen in my entire life. Some of the coolest products, like yeah, electronically, I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, I actually have modeled, too, for some of the health shows. Yeah. And one of the brands that asked me to come back, they asked my agency if, if I was available to also do Long Beach, was Kettle Brand Chips. You oh, know, kettle yeah. chips. So it was like the new flavors that were out. So I like that brand. I just love and I loved it even more after working for them for just these two shows. Why? Like the way the way that they make their chip is really clean. Mm. <laughs> it's a very it's, it's like a cleaner way. Yeah, I, it's a cleaner way. Um a lot of chip companies use like very cheap oil. I think they use like just vegetable oil and they they don't use like they use better oil. It is a fried chip, it's a kettle chip, but the research that goes into their chips as well. So, for instance, and I don't know, they have a maple bacon flavored chip, and it's not bacon at all. Wow. But they went through like 28 different types of smoky flavors yeah. to find the exact one that they needed to get this right. And it is one of the most delicious chips I've ever tasted. If you've ever put like bacon in a sandwich, but then you're like, I don't want to eat bacon anymore, <laughs> you could literally just put that chip in your wow. sandwich. It is incredible. Wow. Um, so yeah, so I used to like get all of the new flavors for chips and then the grocery, big grocery chains would come by the small grocery chains and then they would test the chips and they would order or not order. But I also got to like walk around and then taste like all of the other health foods that are out there to know like, Oh, this is the one that I like at the grocery store. I mean, just, yeah. So that is, I don't know. It's like a long list when it comes to that (laughs) thing, but but yeah, uh, that was one of the things that I saw that they were working on, just like a translator that goes in your ear. And But think about the jobs that that would take away and think about, you know, I mean, you have people who that is their job. They travel with people and they know five languages or they know three languages and, yeah. and that's, yeah. that's what they do. Yeah. So that's automation taking away jobs again. And also if we don't need to learn another language, think about what that does to our brains. Like people yeah. who speak... To two languages are people who can read music. They yeah. say like the, like their ability to problem solve their brain capacity, just the way that their brains work is actually at a really, a really amazing level. Yeah. And that just takes away the need or it just be like a pastime. Like, Oh, I speak Latin. Like nobody speaks Latin anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's no use for yeah. you speaking another language. If you have, yeah. Unless you want to talk to family who only speaks another language, but mm-hmm. Just like, where's the drive? Yeah. It's all gone away, Mel. I'm sorry. Don't tell me that. I don't. Yeah. Look. It is. I, I love your, uh, the way you think, and uh, it's like old-fashioned. and It's like old-fashioned. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like, Melanie, you already, you already passed a generation of many moons past. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's unfortunate, and it's scary, but, you know, 
robots have been replacing human jobs since day one, and it's going to continue yeah. to happen. And, uh, you know, have you used Google Translate on your phone, that app? Yeah. It's amazing. It's so good and so fast. And but it is wrong, too. Is it? <laughs> yeah, it's uh-huh. been known to be wrong. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. All right. One of those Russian girls never answered back. <laughs> Damn you, Google. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I just, I think that there's a way that we can have this sort of stuff, but also, I mean, we were talking before the podcast and we were talking about, like, I really believe in this, like, next generation coming up that, like, not, what what are we calling the post-millennial, like, the kids after the millennials? And I'm not talking trash about the millennials. I think they're great, too, but... The kids coming up behind them. Yeah, I don't know what they call them. I don't know what you're called yet, kids. Hopefully you're not <laughs> listening to this podcast because this is a, an adult <laughs> podcast. But whatever that generation is, I really have a strong belief in, in them. And I think that they will be very, very tech savvy. But I think that they're also, you know, unless COVID takes away the next three years, I think they're also going to be socially savvy and they're going to be aware, you know. And, and I think I just see a lot of promise in them. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think... Uh I think they're going to be great, too, and I'm very optimistic about it. And um, I think at some point there will be uh, some sort of backlash to all this technology and people just, like the young generation, just being like, yeah, I know we have this at our disposal, but we choose not to use it. And they go off the grid or they don't, maybe, maybe they don't even have phones at all. And they just choose not to consume that. I think there'll be a part of uh, people that, that will do that. Um, but um, maybe not until like a couple of generations to in the future. Because, um, you know, big corporations, I mean, that's, that's who's profiting from all this technology. Like you said, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, human jobs are getting replaced by... Um, by robots and uh you know what's that uh uh what is it the uh, ig or something like that uh but even like background like in movies they're gonna be cg uh cgi'd you know what i mean so right. you know even that is in the process and they've even done that for movies so where before they would hire and even now, now that COVID is 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 alive and strong and all that stuff, um, you know, oh. that's going to happen. Yeah, I I agree with you. I I think, yeah, I I think that the industry, the movie industry, especially, is going to change. Were you thinking about the agency who hired their first cyber actress? I heard about that. Yeah, like there's an agency who who signed their first cyber actress. Yeah. So this person is just completely like remote controlled, yeah. like computer screen. Sure. Yeah. And uh, I think it was one of the top agencies yeah, too. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. I just the, the industry. The movie industry is a multi-billion-dollar industry. And and you can't just hire a SAG actor or actress to play a role. Like, how many really great actors are there out here? And in New York and in a lot of cities. And, you know, what's I don't see the attraction except, like, maybe, like, let's just make a movie to see how this does. But I'd probably boycott it. 
Yeah, I had boy. Ah, uh, yeah. You would boycott. If they like if Hollywood? they did a whole movie, no. If they did a whole oh, movie okay. with just like one cyber person, oh, okay. like yeah. this cyber actress, that's definitely gonna happen. Oh, I know. That's definitely. Oh yeah, because I mean they they signed her. Yeah, they signed mm-hmm. it. It, right. Yeah, they signed the the the. What are we calling that? Uh, is it? It's not a hologram, is it? No, I don't know. But like, do, is 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 it a she? Are we going to call it a she or is it a sure. he? But like, and that there's another thing. How well, nowadays, how come it? Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, yeah. Well, what, whatever. It look. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be. It's supposed to look female. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of like, like why didn't they do a dude? You know what I mean? It's like why yeah. why does it have to be a female? Like why yeah. are you taking away our jobs? Like you know, like it's hard enough to get a freaking job where yeah. you're not having to take off your clothes in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Like so, why not? Why not a dude? Yeah. Like why not a hot cyber robot dude <laughs> who has to pack? take off his clothes? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. No, I don't want to <laughs> see a robot dude. I don't care yeah. about that stuff. Like I no, know. I know it's it's a weird time we're in, Melanie. I know. Is stand-up going to come back? It's another thing that's on the... Uh, I mean, even before this whole quarantine thing happened, you remember, like, Seinfeld and, like, other comedians were... Well, they were talking about uh, the college kids not being too PC, and they were going to stop doing college gigs because you couldn't say anything controversial to these kids because they were just up in arms and they were, you know offended you know at all this stuff and just they got they they got offended really easily and uh at that time you know like you had to watch what you say but then now even more so you have to watch what you say see i always thought like when i had the college gigs and i mean i i wasn't represented by a college agency or anything but when i got like the gigs it wasn't like you had rules, like you had boundaries that you were given though, you know, so I'm I'm accustomed to the boundaries, but I really think that, you know, I mean, I, I just, I've never been given so many boundaries where I was like, oh man, well there goes like a third of my set, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like I think, I don't know. I would really love to see what those boundaries that were given are like you yeah. know like 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 how bad i'd like to see a list from a college that is like you cannot speak about because i mean maybe it's a religious college and like you can't talk trash about our religion yeah. you know i mean i really want to see it i i i think i i don't know at our university we had a free speech area and so anybody could come and like just that's the free speech and the people who came were like the zealot christians you know, like the ones who like hold up the signs and like, you're going to burn in hell, like, you know, and, like oh, they really? go to the sporting events. Yeah. Have you ever seen those like the sporting events? And Not like at holding, the sporting oh events. Oh my God. No. Oh my God. You know where I, I've seen those on Santa Monica Boulevard during Halloween, the, the Halloween <gasps> uh, parade or whatever. Oh, oh. Yeah. Um, not, yeah. So they were just there, you know, like, you know, just like, yelling about being you know, gay, gay and you're going to go to hell. Those people. Okay. <laughs> those are the people I'm talking yeah. about. So those are the people who would come to our free speech area. Yeah. And they'd be like, like adulterers. And they would like point at people and they'd be like mm. adulterers. Yeah. And like, and they'd be like, you come to Jesus and you'll be saved. If yeah. not, you're going to hell. And the Jesus. thing is, 
it was Kentucky. And I know there were a lot of like Christian kids like walking past there every single day. Yeah. And like, I never had the balls, not once to be like, shut up. (laughs) You're you're turning people away from Jesus. You're not doing something good. (laughs) You wanted to say that? I wanted to. Yeah. yeah, Because it was like, this isn't, Jesus never stood in the center of town and was like, you guys suck. (laughs) It was never that. So, um, but I never did. And I I never did that. And we never did that because, of freedom of speech. Yeah. Like, I mean, it. you know, you, you believe, like, yeah. people, like this is the free speech area. People have freedom of speech. Yeah. They got here first. Anyone else could come if they wanted to, and they could say what they wanted to say. Like, they could, and no, there was no reservation time. Like, yeah. anybody could come. Somebody could come and be like, this is my rap music. You know, yeah. somebody could come and be like, here's my guitar. Yeah. Like, but nothing ever happened like that. It was just those people who made it a, a thing. Mm. And, um, but again, we respected that because yeah. it was like, free speech yeah when our college was going to pay someone to come though like that kind of you know changed it a little bit because that was, that was like student money going yeah. to to entertainment or, yeah. you know and or whatever it was so yeah. i think that that was a little bit different but even now like i've sat through some like very cringe cringing comedy you know when people yeah. are first starting out and sometimes you're just looking for a joke and so yeah. you say things that are shocking and things yeah. that like you think are edgy and then you know, two years later, you're just like, oh, like, that sucked. And, you know, like, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't say that again. And now that I think about it or look back, like, the way it came out, you know, there's like a different... Sometimes the things that you think are funny are funny, but, like, you write a premise and it's not the right premise for that punch. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, I remember one time... I was trying to, I, I don't even do this bit anymore, but I was trying to get Wi-Fi. I was just trying to get like internet service and Wi-Fi. So I called up the, the Verizon and the person was from another country. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so they had a very, very thick an- accent that I could not understand. And like, but she was talking like Wi-Fi speeds and, and download speeds. And like, I mean, just like all like the whole package of like MPS, BPS, but I couldn't understand any of that. But then at the very end, she would say, now, how would you like to take advantage of that wonderful offer? <laughs> and I could understand that part. And I was just like, I have no idea what you just said. So yeah. I was trying to be nice about it. And I was like, can you go back to the beginning and just... And just like say that again a little slower. And then she was like, blah, blah, blah. like, and now how would you like to take advantage of that wonderful offer? <laughs> and so I did it on stage, but it wasn't, it, I wasn't trying to make fun of her. I was trying to talk about like my frustration of like yeah. trying to get <laughs> just Wi Fi service. Yeah. And I mean, people really tightened up. Yeah. They really, really tightened up. And I, but I think that it's interesting that when I changed the premise a little bit, from that of yeah. just like really making sure that they knew what it was about, about how like I don't have any internet service because yeah. like I don't know what the offer is. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, and they're the only game in town, <laughs> like you know? So, yeah. so once I like changed the premise, then it was like, okay, that is funny. And I wasn't trying to be like racist or xenophobic or anything like that. Yeah. But the premise in the very beginning was wrong. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, like, you learn with comedy, yeah. you learn and, and yeah. And yeah. I mean, I think well, how was the premise wrong? The premise was wrong because I didn't even start out with my frustration. I was just like, so I made this, you know, I, uh, I called in for the internet service the other day and you know, so, yeah. so I didn't talk about like where it was, like, yeah. you yeah. know, it was like, yeah. Oh yeah. But see, like 
it wasn't that it was wrong. It's just like maybe you didn't work it out long enough to figure that out. Yeah. You know, and that's why, you know, comics work on these bits for years. And it's not until like year four where they're like, I got it. Yes. I got it. That's so true. So that's, that's stand up. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, there's, yeah. Part of, part of stand up though, it's also an education in life when you think about, you end up kind of starting wherever you started. For me, it was L.A. Uh-huh. You know, I just happened to be out here. But a lot of people st- start in like a smaller area. And then the more that they go out, they kind of see like what's what works and what's funnier like out in America. Yeah. You know, like I did stand up in Arizona. I've done stand up, you know, in New York. I've done stand up in different areas. Even, But even like parts of California, it's like you find out that you have to come like, in LA, like people are so desensitized that a lot of times you are a little bit more edgy. You hit with a lot, with like a little bit more different jokes, and then yeah. you go out to like San Luis Obispo, for instance, and you don't have to do that at all. Like they're not as they're they're not as numb mm-hmm. to to everything. So, um, I think my favorite place to perform to kind of get like a good litmus test of what will work anywhere in America is Las Vegas. Mm. Cause Las Vegas has so many people who come in from other places and they want to yeah. see shows and you find out like, okay, like this, this pushed a button. I don't even need to push. Mm. I can just like leave that there because we're always constantly like we talked about, like trying to chase that like harder laugh, that, yeah. that better laugh. And, yeah. and if you're getting laughs and then you go to a point that you think will hit and then and then it doesn't hit as hard. Sometimes you reevaluate going in that direction because you're like, so should I try to make that work or should I just go here and try to get a more heightened laugh? And that is like the working it out in stand-up comedy, the mistakes, and also the growing as, as a person, just maturing as an adult. Yeah. What, like, I didn't start stand-up until I was in my 30s. So, but even then I said foolish things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. You know, you're still growing yeah. and learning. Well, I like what Seinfeld said. He said, you know, uh, you know, if year 10, uh, he compared it to like kind of like dog years or something. Um, so when you're first starting out, like you're an infant. So like, you know, even at year 10, you know, you're still maybe, you know, a teenager and teenagers say a lot of stupid things, yeah. you know, and um and it's not until you get older and you get more mature and you're saying some really poignant things. I mean, look mm-hmm. at, you know, George Carlin, you know. Oh, yeah. He was, I mean, how long was he doing stand-up? Like 40 years? And if you look at his stand-up, you know, I, you know, because he did have this shift because he, oh, yeah. he, he before a certain uh, point in his stand-up career, he was very jokey. and mm-hmm. uh, Characters, you know, yeah, voices. Characters. And he was great. Yeah, great. He was great. And yeah. then, you know, and then he just, you know, looked at everything that was going on around him with like Vietnam and just like wars. And then he was like, I'm going to use this voice, you know, I, yeah. to, to say what I really want to yeah. say instead of, and, and make it funny. Yeah. And that's, you know, um, Brett Ernst really reiterated and Jimmy Schubert, who I, I mean, I love them both as standups. They really reiterated well, our job is to speak your truth and make it funny. Like that, that is what the greats will do. Like you could be like jokey, jokey and like, ha ha and like lighthearted and like, yeah, you can get, you can get gigs and you can work as a comic, but like, do you want to be great? Right. So yeah. Yeah. I want to be great. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, Richard Pryor, he pushed the boundaries like crazy. He, he mm-hmm. you know, just like crazy, like even down to like his overdosing where, you know, he, his, his meth, uh, his crack pipe blew up in his face and caught his ha- hair on fire and made jokes about that. Yeah. You know, you got to push those boundaries. And then, you know, he talked about, you know, homosexuality and just, you know, going there and just like so many different things. He felt like, you know, being up there, he had to tell the truth and he had to get mm-hmm. that out there. And lots of times, just like the raw truth isn't funny yet you know what i mean it's just so raw until and he's putting it out there what's it like being a mother Uh, you you will never sleep the same ever again after you become a parent yeah yeah but it's uh every moment is amazing just every even even the moments when they act up those moments are really hard, but if you can come out of it in a really loving way and you feel like, oh my God, I didn't lose it. Like it is just success. And like my, my son's only four, so he doesn't really have a lot of bad moments, I guess. But yeah, he's, he's definitely been a little bit different lately. And um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's a natural thing. Um, let's see, how do I explain this? So I'll, I'll just say this. My son's dad is, is, I know that he's a really good dad to my son, but uh, part of him, there's the only but, the only catch is that part of his job, it takes him away for months at a time. Mm. So when he comes back, sometimes, you know, just like the shift in like spending the night and, and going to like the other home and, and it's just like the shift, like kids have a hard time with quick shifts like that. And so my son started acting in ways like he hadn't acted before, <laughs> like he would lose his temper with me in the car if he pointed at a billboard and I didn't see what was on it. (laughs) He would be like, no, you didn't see it. And I'm like, oh my God, he's yelling at me. (laughs) What is going on? So the first couple of times I was like, okay, you don't have to be anywhere. Hold on. I'm going to turn around. We're going to go and see it. So turn around. I'm like, okay, show me what it is that you, you know, and then after you know after a couple times i was like benjamin you can't talk to me like that sweetie that's not nice so but it is hard sometimes when you know when your child does things that that like you would have never gotten away with oh my god i would never have gotten away with yelling at my parents like that at any age so he's a good kid overall and you know, it's just, you know, I've noticed that like that sort of thing has really brought some behaviors out that are very uncharacteristic for him. So, you know, I guess like now I can look back at it and laugh a little bit. <laughs> like, that's what made him flip out. But, oh, my God, like Legos, if, if a Lego broke or if I put uh, the wrong Lego on or something, he'd be like, that's not how it goes. <laughs> it's like this we do this all the time. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Like they like come apart. They put together like, like 600 Legos here. Okay. Yeah, like yeah. any combination like you can. Yeah. It's wrong kid. But, but yeah, I, I mean, I love him. He loves the beach. Yeah. He, uh, he may, he has a song that he sings when we go to the beach, even though we go to the beach in Malibu. <laughs> He'll be like, on the way we go, Santa Monica, there's so uh, much to see in Santa Monica. <laughs> it's like, he just like sings it. 
He's just cute. He's a cute little boy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And uh, he has a good relationship with his father, and he, he spends yeah. time with his dad, and then yeah. he spends time with you. And yeah. Nice He's a, yeah, it's, you know what I mean? And, I mean, it's like any situation, I think, where your parent or, like, even if it's a spouse, if they live in another city for a long period of time, you know, there's an adjustment when they come back. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, like, it's not like they just left yesterday. Mm-hmm. It's like... Oh, like growing has happened and, yeah. you know, it's like there was transition. I mean, I, I had that experience a little bit with my own dad because my parents were separated for four years when I was like four years old to when I was eight years old. And even though like I would see my dad when he would come back, he also had a job where he was away. Okay. So there were times when he would come back and I was just like, you know, he didn't know us as well because we had grown and we like... And he just, there were times I feel like he just wasn't ready, you know, <laughs> just like maybe for most of my dad's life, I think that he wasn't ready to be a father, <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, he would just, you know, just, it, it was hard. And then when he came back, when I was eight and my parents got back together, there was definitely a shift where I was like, oh, I thought I really liked you, but now I don't think I like you that much. And it was just like the adjustment of going from, two very different parents Mm -hmm. you know my mom is my mom my mom is so nice that my brother and I used to fight fake fight just to make her curse so that she could seem more human like we like (laughs) yeah like my mom is like I mean she's like a pretty religious person but she's like like we would just we just needed her to break a little bit because mm. she was always so good all the time and like we just we weren't perfect as kids yeah. so i mean we were just that was a really mean thing to do to, like, yeah. to make your mom lose it so that wow. she would say my mom never said like the f word yeah. or like the a word or like yeah. anything she would say like shits like that yeah. was her curse word and oh. can i say that sorry can yeah. i say she would say the mm. shh word is that okay i can say that but yeah she would say then she'd be like why are you guys giving me you know she was just like that was the word and then it was terrible because then she would come back and she'd be like i'm so sorry that is not how god wants me to talk to you and i'm really sorry and then we would feel like we we would feel like shit after that we were like oh man that wasn't worth it (laughs) (laughs) but yeah and then my dad was like very different if he got mad and said anything which my dad actually never cursed i didn't hear my dad curse until i was in high school but if he got mad about something it was like not his fault at all that he lost his temper it was our fault Mm. for doing what we did you know yeah so and like he owned none of the responsibility for for his actions so yeah yeah until like later in life you know like like comedy (laughs) you know when you grow and you're like oh yeah like i could have been better yeah you know (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. Uh, do you ever call him out on anything? No, because sometimes I feel like what what would it do? You know, like like I mean, he's he's I'm sure he's well aware of a lot of the mistakes that he's made. Mm-hmm. You know, like what would it do now? Yeah. Like just to to, to get it off my chest, mm-hmm. like because I think too like there's a risk. Like if if you if you have you know, my dad suffered from addiction a couple times in his life. So, and it's, this is not to make it excuses for anybody or anything, but when you have somebody who has had time with addiction, that, that is time that 
emotional and brain development has not happened and maturing has not happened. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they say that if you start getting heavily into substance abuse when you're 16 and then you stop when you're 21, at 21, you're still kind of 16 emotionally because you haven't. So the same thing Mm -hmm. I think is the same for my dad. And so to say things like, oh, like, you know, when you did this, it really affected me this way. Like that would be more for me, Mm. you know, than for him, you know? And, and I just kind of feel like, like I have God and I have stand up comedy and, and what is it you like? I mean, don't get me wrong. If he ever came at me about something, I, I could dish it back and I probably would. Yeah. You know, I'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, hold on. If we were going to talk about like mistakes in the past, do you really want to? Yeah. You know, like dad, like, cause I don't, you like, we can, right. we can, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I messed up a couple of times, yeah. but like you, right. oh, like, <laughs> I mean, you know, you messed up royally, <laughs> but you know, we're still alive. None of us have like, you know, like yeah, stabbed each other. You know, you had yeah. five kids, you have five kids and not one of them like stabs the other, you know, mm. like you're like, you didn't do too bad usually, yeah. you know, cause five kids is a lot. It was like a lot of fighting in my home you know, between the five kids, but there's also a lot of love. Yeah. Yeah. So. And uh, did being a parent now change your way of thinking about your parents and uh, what they dealt with? Did it change like, um, are you like more patient with your parents because now you understand more or it didn't change at all? Um, I always had a lot of respect for my mom and my aunts uh, because they were working moms and they, I, I saw them balance, like wake up in the morning to prepare for dinner and they just balanced this work home life. It seemed like so excellently, like no complaints, you know, and, um, I don't know if like it's culturally or if it's generationally, like I don't come from a place where the male contributes more than like yard work or more than, you know, more than like, like it's not 50, 50 when it comes to chores, you know, it's like, you know, 50, 50 when it comes to bills, but not when it comes to chores sort Mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. So unless like someone is, is a better homemaker or whatever, but it's like definitely, it's like mom's money that she made at work went to the family, Mm -hmm. you know, didn't go to her in any way. And, um, I think that I have a new, f- even though, again, I had so much respect for them until I actually lived the going to work and leaving your kid at preschool and packing their lunch and then packing a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for me. And then like, you know, like the sacrifice that's made yeah. when it comes to just investment and effort and how like it's the balance that my mom had, I had to call her and I was like, mom, this, I always knew, but like, how did you do it? Mm. And she said, the only way I did it was to stay very, very organized. I mean, just like my mom, just my mom is a champ when it comes to, to all that she did with the kids. And, you know, sometimes she had to do it as a single mom, too, because my dad was in and he was out. And then he was, you know, they divorced when mm-hmm. with the, there were still three kids left at home when they divorce for like the official time which i have jokes about the pain with it but like now like people know like the details kind of behind it yeah. but you know like you can make quick jokes about because that's really what most of our jokes are you know they're, yeah. they're, about like, they're cathartic they're like yeah yeah like like shit can get shitty but you know what like we can smile in the yeah. end you yeah know? it's like yeah. yeah so i mean that's what stand-up comedy is about right 
like yeah. calling out the shitty moment and then we laugh about it. Yeah. Just healing. Yeah. It's very healing. So yeah, I, I think, um, I think that I do raise Benjamin a little bit differently because a lot of, a lot of corrective feedback when I was growing up was a raised voice. And I really don't want, I don't want that to be the motivation. And then, you know, we did get spanked, mm-hmm. you know, as a punishment. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And, you know, I just feel like that like up to the ante for like us in terms of like trouble. It was like we weren't in trouble unless we were getting hit. Yeah. So in terms of like what my parents had to deal with, and I'm not trying to blame them because I know that they came from a generation. that was like spare the rod, spoil the child, like which I think is complete BS. Um, like we like we weren't in trouble. If my mom yelled, like we heard her yell, but it wasn't like if we stopped doing what we were doing, it was just because we just didn't want to hear her yell again. But we didn't really mind her yelling. And the same kind of went with my dad. Like if my dad yelled, it was like, okay, we're going to stop for like 10 minutes and then we're going to do it quietly because we know you're going to be watching the game and you're not going to be noticing what we're doing. Yeah. You know? So it was like it upped, it, it upped the stakes. Like, but if we got hit, then it was like, oh God, like now we're, now we'll stop. Yeah. And that's not really how I want Benjamin to be. And I also believe that, you know, I just... I believe this is like not Christianity. Um, so I don't know if like the Christians out there are going to be like, oh, you just messed up. But like, I believe that like we do have spirits in our bodies. Like we're like these bodies are shells that right. we're living in. They're like amazing, high functioning, you know, shells that we have. But our spirits are inside of our bodies. And when you hit the body, it's actually st- the same thing as committing violence against the spirit. So unless you are in a place where you need to like get away or you're training to be able to defend like the shell of your spirit, like there should not be violence. Like, you know, it, it should be like a, a life or death situation or a, a preparing or training situation, but in, in violence and like anger that should not happen or violence and frustration, especially like from an adult to a child. Like that's just like, if I can, like, I hope that I never, ever, 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 ever get to the point where I have to spank Benjamin or, like, where I feel like I, I have no other option because I just don't, I don't want to. And that is one of the differences I think will probably exist between my parents' generation and maybe my generation. But what about you? What'd you get beat with? <laughs> Everything. Yeah whatever, yeah, whatever they could reach. Uh, yeah, whatever. They, and my mom was always in the kitchen, so boom, there's a rolling pin. <laughs> yeah, there's a spatula. Oh my god, the wooden spoon hurts. Yeah, yeah oh, it does. That stings. Yeah, but most of the time I deserved it. So, and I learned. So I, I don't think it was a bad thing. You know. Yeah, I wasn't one of the ones who learned. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, well, I healed. The bruises healed. Yeah. What's next? Uh, like, no, I was like, the only time I cried when I was spanked was when I got mad. Mm. Like, I remember like getting, okay, we had a paddle. Like, this is going to get dark. This is going to get dark. Okay. Let's go there. Okay. So, yeah. So we got spanked with belts. We got spanked with like just different things. And then my parents discovered that the one thing that seemed to work was this wooden paddle. Mm-hmm. Like this, I don't know if it's a racquetball paddle, but it like definitely hurt. And it hurt on like a big area on you know on the booty and on the legs Mm -hmm. and you know um but 
we would get in trouble. I'm like, okay, go get the battle. And it was like their like version of like, go get the switch. You know, like, okay, we have the power. And so we would get the paddle, we would get the instrument that we were going to get hit with, and then we would have to like hold on to something, and then we would get spanked. And usually it was like me and Rocky. Me and Rocky were always getting pounced on with that paddle. And then... Uh, <laughs> you seem like such a good girl. What are you getting into trouble with? Just like <laughs> fighting with Rocky. Like oh, always, okay. like always fighting with Rocky. Yeah. Um, I didn't like, I mean, I didn't like do drugs or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I didn't, I skipped school every Friday my freshman year, but I had like a 3.6 GPA. Like, you oh, know, wow. like I would like turn my work in on Thursday. Oh, wow. The teachers were like, yeah, it's, she's a good kid. Like there's worse kids here. Like, oh. <laughs> I wouldn't say anything. But then I got like perfect attendance the next three years. So, oh. Long story short, though, they had this paddle, and uh, and then this one time, it was after school, there was, like, a little bit of time, nobody was there, and I, like, wrapped the paddle up in newspaper, and I put it in the fireplace, and then I put wood on top of it, <laughs> and, like, really, really well concealed, and then... Uh, Maybe a few nights later, my dad came home from work and he lit the fire and I like sat close to it and I like watched it burn. Oh, wow. It was just like, like ah. and then for, like months, my parents couldn't find it. Mm. And they're like, where is it? And then one time my dad was pissed. He was so pissed. He was like, I'm finding the paddle. Everybody go to find the paddle. So he was like looking in the rafters in the garage. Yeah. He's like, he was so mad. I don't know what we did. I think, oh, actually it was something Rocky did. Uh-huh. Rocky was like scared and so all the kids are looking he just looks so scared and I felt so bad for my brother and I said Rocky don't worry they're not gonna find the paddle <laughs> he goes he goes why not and I was like I burned it <laughs> <laughs> and I watched it burn <laughs> and then he goes okay I saw like his face go from like sheer terror to like opportunist mm-hmm. and then he was like mom dad Melanie burned the paddle Melanie burned the paddle and you're like what and i was like you gotta be kidding me freaking benedict arnold like yeah. just like you God, why would he you do are, that dude uh, you yeah. know we just have my i don't know like when it came to some things rocky and i were very different like we were very like but when it came to some things like we were very different mm-hmm. like like i like, I would not sell somebody down the river for any price. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, like I might crack a joke or two, like, here and there. Yeah. Like, you know, but but I won't, like, just, like, if, if someone's doing something, unless it's, like, harming a child, yeah. you know, it's just, like, I just wouldn't do it. And, like, Rocky was very much, like, the one, like, I won't tell on you if you won't tell on me. But as uh-huh. soon as he got caught, he was telling, like, all of the secrets. Uh-huh. Like, okay, me ditching in high school. Like, yeah. I can talk about that because... Uh, and also, like, Rocky... Rocky, and I... Like, this is probably something, like, parents would have loved in a kid. When Rocky felt guilty, like, the guilt would ride on him a lot. And then he would just, like, tell my mom about whatever was on his heart, about, like, how he messed up with something, you know. And, and then my mom would be like, okay. And my parents were like, well, you're repentant. You know, like, this whole thing. Yeah. Not me. Not me. Like, I'm not, like, no. No, like, yeah, I did it, but, like, that's between me and God and not nice. you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, so So when I got in trouble for things, like, it was because, like, Rocky got in trouble. And then in order to, like, diffuse all of the attention that was on him, he would also say at the very end, oh, and Melanie was ditching school with Johnny every Saturday and going to Santa Monica. And then 
I would get in trouble. So I remember specifically like Rocky like messed around with some girl. Like, I don't know like how far it went. I don't think like any virginity was lost, but I think it was like privates were touched or something, you know, it was like, and it weighed on him. And I mean, he was like probably like a junior in high school or something, but you know, I mean, I came from a religious family, so mm. he would, uh, so, you know, he told my mom and then, you know, whenever Rocky was in trouble, I knew I was in trouble. Like, mm. I knew it. I was just like, all right, what did he tell? And then my parents just said, you know, like, do you have something to tell us? No. Oh, you don't have anything to tell us? Yeah. No. Wow. Like, you, dad, dad, <laughs> I would just be like, no, like, I have nothing to tell you. And then I would get in more trouble because I didn't confess, like, that I was ditching school, but, oh, well. Yeah. You know, the bruises heal. They'd <laughs> 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 be like, you can't go anywhere for two months. I'd be like, well, you don't let me go anywhere without my brother anyway. So, yeah. whoa, what a loss. You know, like, yeah. no, it was like. And yeah. you're older than him? Younger. Oh, you're younger than him? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, just, and I mean, maybe Rocky only sold me down the river because I was his sister, but like, I, I was never, like, if I got in trouble, like, I wasn't ratting him out, you know, just, just very. You're like, I'm no rat. <laughs> just like not, you know, like. You wear it with like, a badge no. on her. No, right. I think the only time that I got a little bit, it wasn't like. I, w I when I came home from college, I worked at a at a bar, and um, my sister was in high school. And I remember my sister walking through the door, and she's like in high school. She should not be at a bar, and certainly not that bar. Yeah. You know, it's like a very grown up sort of bar. Yeah. And so I was like, "What are you doing here?" And she was like, "It's fine. I have an idea." And I was like, "No, like it's not fine. <laughs> You're in high school. Like these dudes are like 26. Yeah. You know, and like no, it's not fine. It's not fine. So." You worked at the bar? Yeah, I worked at the bar, and, like, my yeah. kid sister in high school is, like, coming in. And yeah. I was like, no, not cool, not happening. So that was the only time that I ever told my mom, like, anything. Uh -huh. And it was because, like, I knew that my sister was, like, really, really young and impressionable, and yeah. these dudes are predators. And, you know, like, like it does, like, that's what they are. Like, not all of them, but, but some of them that are in there and some of them that are frequent, you know? Yeah. And, um... Yeah, I did tell my mom I was really upset and like, you know, and my mom was kind of like, well, I can tell her not to go, but like, I don't really know like what you want me to do. And I was like, are you kidding me? If I was in high school, like, are we talking about like you, like I would, like you would lock the doors and put bars on my windows. Like you, <laughs> like, like I would, there wouldn't be like this whole, like, I'm not sure like how to handle this. It would be like, girl, you ain't going anywhere until you get a diploma. <laughs> like yeah. you know that's that was me so nice yeah that that was the only time that i ever was like uh like i'm gonna tell on you yeah and it kind of sucked but yeah that's i mean i have a sister she we're close in age too we're constantly fighting you know so i know how it is like wh why do brothers and sisters fight it's just, just like, you know, a cat always chases a mouse. It's just instinctive, I think. You know, it's, I would really love to see if there is a family where, like, the brothers and the sisters never fought. Like, I want to know what their parents did that was so different. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't think that happens. And if it is, I think it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like, weird. Yeah. 
Like, huh, like you never fought? Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting when I talk to friends who are like, I know my parents did fight, but I've never seen them fight or never heard it. I mm-hmm. think they just saved it for when they were alone. They never fought. I'm just like, well, you are lucky. <laughs> like, really? They just never had a crossword for each other in front of you? Like, your whole life? Like, not even as adults? And like, yeah. What? Like, how? Yeah. That's amazing to me. I my parents never really fought in front of us either. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? Why? Yeah. How? I don't know. They've been married fifty two years now. So was there ever a time that you can remember in childhood where you were like, "Are they going to get in a fight?" And they didn't. Yeah. No, they never. <gasps> yeah. Wow. Yeah. How did they meet? Um. They. They grew up in the same hometown, and my dad saw her across the street, and he went up to her and talked to her, and yeah. Was it old school style, too, where he had to, like, go and, like, talk to her parents to take her out? Um, I don't, I don't think so. I, her dad died when she was, like, four years old, so uh, she never knew her father, really. Okay. Yeah, so it was just her mom and her aunts raised her. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, and then my dad came to this country, and then uh, he stayed here for, like, three years, and then he went back for her. Oh. And then they got married and had four kids. No. Yeah, I've been together for 52 years, and that's why I'm single. (laughs) I can't live up to that. That's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's picture perfect. Like, I don't know. You know, for a long time, I mean, I talk about my brother Rocky, but for a long time, I really, as much as I was like, oh my God, like he really put me through the ringer growing up. Um, he, he had a long marriage and for a really long time, I put his marriage on a pedestal because I didn't know like the insides of the marriage, just like from the outside and just from like the story of like how he got the girl. Like I really... um I really thought like, okay, yeah, he like put me through the ringer, but he is a good husband and he's good to his wife and he's good to his daughter. And then, you know, sometimes, you know, you end up tripping and falling and and those things don't continue. And it really, really broke my heart when their marriage ended. It was just like, oh, this is the one thing that redeemed you, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but I mean, it's, um, it's just really interesting to hear like what succeeds and you know then the people whose marriages don't don't last you're just like whoa like the ones who you wouldn't have guessed and then sometimes the ones that you think like oh that's not gonna last they're like 40 years and you're like didn't you guys like fight outside of the bar every time we went out well not 40 years because i'm not that old (laughs) but you know what i mean like you think like oh this is gonna be over in like four years and then like it's like 15 years late and you're like oh and you guys are holding hands still and yeah. He brings you flowers every Friday. Yeah. What is this? <laughs> but like, yeah. I have a girlfriend in college who, um, she's very, very pretty. And uh, she started dating a DJ and his name was DJ Sticky. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I did not like it at all. I did not like him for her. I was just like, you're so sweet. And she like loves dogs and horses and she's just so, so sweet. And I was like, 
dude, like I just didn't like him at all. And I just, I, you know, our friendship kind of became strained over that. Cause I was like, you can like, you can't date DJ sticky. He's not going to take you seriously. He's just, you know, like the, the whole stigma is about DJs, you yeah. know, and like, ah, and, um, yeah, they got married. They have a beautiful little girl. They have been married. God. I mean, yeah, probably like 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. For a long time. And, yeah. And they love each other. And I'm like, I'm so wrong. I'm sorry, Annalie. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm so glad you didn't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out DJ Sticky's a good dad. <laughs> yeah, DJ Sticky Icky. <laughs> she stuck to him now. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I know. And I, you know, I know, you know, some people that met on dating apps and they're, they're happily married and they have kids and that's wild. I've you know? never been on a dating app yet. Like, not officially. I actually helped my godfather set out. one up. No. Am mm. I missing out? Yeah. <laughs> no, <it's> no. <laughs> no, I mean, wow, that's great. I mean, that, that you know, if you've gone this long without being on a dating app, um, man, God bless you, you know. Because, I mean, I feel like that, especially now because of quarantine, this is, that's where it's going. You know, I mean, yeah. where are you going to meet a person in public now, you know, no. you, under that mask? You know, you can like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah, I think my flirting game has definitely, uh, you know, gone down because, I mean, it's just like, wow. Yeah. You know, it doesn't happen, you know, sort of interaction, you know, in public. It's just weird, you know, with the whole mask thing. Yeah, I, I just don't. Which did you, did you uh, have your mask up? I, yeah, I know you my wanted mask. to bling it out. Where's my mask? Show it off. Did you set it down I am. over there? I set it down somewhere. Oh, whatever. Oh, yeah. It's somewhere. Yeah, I had t yeah. today. Did I have you a make wonder. It? it looked like no. uh, yeah, it was somebody, uh, homemade. Yeah, no, somebody bought it for me. Yeah, no, it was it was a gift from yeah. a very very kind oh, kind nice. soul. Boom. All right, so here is here's, here's my mask. Oh wow! Yes. Can you tell us about it? Yes, this is a this give is us a, a little show and tell. What's this is a COVID? What's behind this whole mask thing? It uh, looks pretty yes. artistic. It's actually Wonder Woman on one side, and is it? This. Are you ready? Yeah, this is really cool. So, I'm ruining all the COVID rules here. It's Wonder Woman on one side that looks like this, hoo hoo, and then, oh, throwback Wonder Woman here. What? Oh wow! What? It is a two for one special. Oh, it's reversible. Yeah. Wow. Is the other side Wonder Woman too, or just that? Oh yes. Oh wow, that's cool. The other side is Wonder Woman too. So, oh. So here I am. Nice. Ready to rob your local liquor store <laughs> with my lasso, and uh, I'll travel away in my invisible plane. <laughs> <laughs> that is cool. That's a cool mask. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Who made it for you? Your friend? No. Um. No, it was purchased for me, and. Benjamin, oh, nice. my son has a few, and I have some Star Wars masks cool. and some other masks. And then I have, of course, your N95. I don't even know the numbers, okay? Yeah. But you know, like the serious ones. Yeah, yeah. But I had the serious ones because we get the fires, you know, just about every year. Oh, so yeah. I already had the serious ones. And then um, when COVID happened, there were people who were donating the N95 masks to the hospitals because the hospital staffs were short. Yeah. And I was just like... Oh, like I might need these. <laughs> like, 
Benjamin might need this. I was like, oh, and there was that guilt there, like, should I donate this to the hospitals? And then I thought, no, you know what? Hospitals have way more money than me. You know, like, yeah, like they, they, sure they, they need to get a hold of themselves. You yeah. know, like for them to be short on these masks. Like, when was this? When yeah, were they short? Yeah, I guess in the very beginning of COVID, they oh, were like, okay. oh, yeah, you know, the hospitals are short oh, on yeah. the proper masks. And so people were donating hmm. their masks to the hospital and buying the hospital's masks. And, you know, again, like, yeah, the hospitals just have way more money than me. Yeah, and, absolutely. Know, and not to mention that they do get like something like 6,500 for every person they diagnose for COVID-19. 6,500? Yeah. They get $6,500 for every person they diagnose with COVID. Yeah. That's very interesting. So to treat them? No, like they, you know, like. Just in general? Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So I'm like, first of all, I don't believe it's a hoax. I believe it exists. Yeah. But I have had friends that have had COVID and the hospitals have sent them home because they're like, you're not in an at-risk age group, you know, um, you you know we don't need to put you on a ventilator so you can go home and ride this out at home so they've gone home alone to not breathe and be in pain for two weeks wow yeah like yeah like it's like they've had a hard time but because like they didn't have the ventilators or because they weren't in like the at-risk age group whatever it was like they've been sent home wow so in my mind if the if the hospitals are going to get sixty five hundred dollars it should be to treat yeah not you know, not just to diagnose. It should be at least to, like, help these people, not just send them home. Yeah. And I understand that you don't want to be overrun, and I shouldn't judge. I'm not trying to judge in, in any way, but, like, this is, like, this is news that I'm hearing, to, yeah. you know, the first time. I guess my reaction is, like, you know, I guess feeling for a couple, for those friends who one of them, somebody ended up dropping a like a cold air humidifier at her door, one of her friends. And she said that was like the only thing that gave her relief was sleeping close to that cold air oh humidifier. Like she was in, she was in pain. And, um, how old was she? She's in her early thirties. Uh-huh. She's like yeah. otherwise healthy. And yeah, I mean, but then, um, I don't know. You, do you know Ben Glebe? Yeah. Okay. So Ben Glebe, uh, ended up with a pain in his leg and his girlfriend said, I think you should go to the hospital because it was just dragging. And then he went to the hospital and uh, he had no other conditions, like no other symptoms of anything, but he had a blood clot. And the doctor said, well, it's a good thing that you came in because this could have killed you. And they did a COVID test and it turned out that he had, he had COVID at some point and that caused a blood clot. Wow. Yeah. So... Uh, so it's, it's kind of scary to think that like you could just be like me and you and just like, you know, I'm going to go for a hike tomorrow and I'll wear my mask, you know, but I'll go for a hike and I'll be safe and I'll go home and I'll shower and I'll do the stuff that I'm supposed to do. But that he wasn't out there like willy nilly doing a bunch of stuff either, but that you could catch this habit, not have any symptoms. And then all of a sudden, like you could get something that could almost kill you like a blood clot. Hmm. So I don't know. Like, I mean, I do believe it's real. I believe that there are some things where I feel like it's been like, we should have some questions answered by now, such as like the surface thing. Like they, like in the beginning they were like, okay, so 
uh, we believe that it dies in the sun after 30 minutes. And if the temperature is, you know, over something like, or, you know, it, it dies in the sun, like this whole, like, so, and then they're like, ah, maybe it doesn't die in the sun. Like, how hard is it to get a COVID patient to sneeze or cough on something and take it out into the sun and then test it after 30 minutes, test it after an hour? Like, let's, can we like... How, like we had so many COVID cases around the world, like we can't have done more testing on surface areas to figure out like if we really need all these Clorox wipes. Why? Because they, they don't know if the Clorox wipes even help or work. Well, the thing is, it's, it's, well, we know that it's airborne, right? Like that's where we're, we're sure mm-hmm. it's airborne, coughing, you know, yeah. sneezing, all of that. But in the beginning, it was like if somebody coughs on something and you touch it, Right. Like, can you now get it like the surface, like just touching a surface area. And so that's why, like, I mean, like I would like chlor before we locked down, like I was taking Clorox wipe with wipes me with me and like wiping down tables of Benjamin yeah. and I sat anywhere. And um, but like I was kind of thinking by the midsummer, it was like, so we still have like wipes and hand sanitizer at our pool. And it's like, do I really still, like, it doesn't, it die? have we figured out if it dies in the sun yet? Right. Because if it dies in the sun, that I don't have to, like, wipe right. this thing down. Right. Yeah. And before be I put know. my, st- like, I, like yeah. shouldn't we know just, I know that we're not going to know everything, but shouldn't we just, like, it shouldn't be, like, a, there still should not be so many questions yeah. surrounding some of the facets of this yeah. disease. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, there's a lot of questions still. There's still a lot of, and then I hear like some uh, testing may, you might come up with COVID, but you're not in a contagious uh, state anymore. You had COVID maybe before, so you tested positive for COVID, but you're not contagious. So here's another thing. The no swabs, which I've taken, are more accurate than the cheek swabs. So they do have the cheek swab now, but they're finding out that cases are coming back negative that should have been positive mm. and positive that should have been negative wow. so the cheek swabs are not as good at det- or not as accurate as the nose bristle thing oh, okay. and it is uncomfortable it is uncomfortable but yeah. you know what like yeah so, so what, what? like yeah. and it, it was to get a job <laughs> yeah like because yeah so, you, you, so have you had both you had the cheek and you had the nose i've just had the nose test oh, yeah i just had the nose as well yeah just goes up your nose it doesn't feel good i mean yeah yeah I've had five of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Passed them all. Nice. Yeah, I buddy. <laughs> I, I have to take one on Tuesday. Yeah. 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 I have, um, okay, so for some of the jobs that I've applied to in Hollywood, the rule is you go in, you take a COVID test, and then you go to a hotel, and then if you pass that COVID test, you go to the, set the next day. Mm. So, you, like, you wait it out. Like, like some of these yeah, some of them, like, are not messing around. Mm, yeah. So, like, you go from one place to the other, like, it's like you're already in a self-quarantine. And then if you pass that test, you go to set. And then if not, like, it's like, go home for two weeks. Like, don't go anywhere. You have COVID. So, I think it's interesting when they talk about, like, going back to schools. It's like, are you going to, like, test all of the students and test all of the teachers to make sure they don't have COVID. And then does everybody have to go home after that? Like, and their families, does everybody have to go home after that? Stay in for like two days, like not touch it. Like, how are you guys going to do it to 
keep the kids and the staff safe if Hollywood is doing it in such a strict way to make sure like nobody gets COVID, like they can't get sued for like COVID, you know, like, yeah. I don't know. It's a crazy time. Yeah. I don't want to think about that right now. Yeah. Here, here, yeah. you want to hear something? <laughs> Hold on. I want to show you. Okay. So that's not one of the pictures. This right here is uh this is COVID hair. And I'd like to, I'd like <laughs> to show you what it looks like when my hair sometimes is actually cut and taken <laughs> care of. It looks great. It'll flash. It'll flash on this screen once upon a time. Yeah. I was able to get a trim here and there. <laughs> oh, look, right there. Oh, oh yeah. look. Look how lovely Look how nice and, yeah. and, and it looks like it's been brushed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once upon a time I had a... You haven't been to the salon? No, no. And my cousin cuts hair yeah. and she's actually a salon I go to um, and she's very good. It's not just because she's my cousin because if she, it, I don't care. Like, yeah. My cousin messed up my hair. I would just be like, <laughs> never again. Yeah. <laughs> but no, she's very, very good. And um, I guess I could go and like have my hair cut in a backyard, but I just feel like, no, I want to be back in a salon like freaking Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. I do. I do. I want to be back in a salon. I want to have my hair washed and massaged. And you know, I will wait. It'll be worth it. It'll yeah. be worth the wait to have my hair in back of a bin and just warm water yeah. and then they'd give that nice massage at the back of your neck like i can wait for that yeah i can like i, I don't need to get my hair cut in a backyard haven't um, you waited long enough yeah you know no you know because it's almost like that bonus of like when everything is safer and i can go into a salon and i can get my hair blown out and just like it's it's really a treat to go to the salon and i don't really need to rush that treat and I don't need for my cousin to go back to work to like rush the treat, you know, but I, I mean, I really do have, and I, you know, I'm, I'm not like a strong political person either way, you know, but when like Nancy Pelosi went to the salon and like she was called out on a little bit and like people were like, Oh, well, it's not like she was around anybody. It's like the whole point is she got to go to a salon, you know, like that's the whole point. It's yeah. like every other salon is closed. Right. No other salon is able to have like one customer in at a time. Yeah. You know, a lot of these, you know, hairstylists are not, are working in their backyards yeah. and they're following the rules. Yeah. And so should the people who are out there making our laws. Right. Even if it is just a freaking trip to the salon. Yeah. You know, it's like, and even, yeah. I mean, and I know I just preached it up because honestly it is a very nice experience, but, <laughs> but it's something that I can wait for in the place of making sure that nobody ends up like my friends and can't breathe. And they're sitting by a freaking cool air humidifier, just like trying to get through it. Ugh. Like, I mean, I don't need to look that good. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it's true. I mean, who are you looking good for? I mean, I haven't been <laughs> anywhere, you know, that, know. you know, it's like, I I went to a department store well, just to look at clothes and I'm like, I don't need any of this. <laughs> like where, I don't need the, it's like, it's, you know, you're not going to, you know, parties, anything like, you know, where you're not going to need the, it's crazy and not anytime oh. soon. And that's the world we're living in right now. I know it. The only thing I need now is Legos. <laughs> you need Legos? <laughs> no, I mean, I have a ton, actually. We have a ton of Legos. But, like, I feel like we are we are collecting all of the Star Wars 
Yeah. Like the little mini figure yeah. ones because we do those little those little stop motion shows on TikTok, oh, my yeah. my son and I. Yeah. And there's just figures that we don't have. Like we don't have a Han Solo. Uh-huh. So I'm going to go try out to get a Han Solo. I've been looking on like Let Go. We'll Let Go Clothes because they merged with OfferUp. All right. Let me just give you a little briefing, okay? Yeah, because I don't know what you're talking okay. about. Okay. This is re- this is this is mom talk. This is like mom talk. <laughs> but you know how eBay, like you know, eBay was like, hey, like I have this cool thing that I just don't use anymore. But if you want to buy it, it's used, but it's in good condition. Yeah. Okay. So there was once upon a time eBay. Yeah. And then I don't know, like Facebook Marketplace. Like yeah. I mean, like just these like little online markets. That's great. So one of them was called Let Go, and one of them was called Offer Up. And it was like, here's my bed frame. You know, mm-hmm. it's great. It's made of wood. I just want a different one. I'll sell this one for two hundred dollars. It was worth five hundred. So people were like, oh yeah, I want a bed. Sorry, I just hit okay. your camera. Yeah, I'm gonna fix. You know, so sorry. No, it's okay. Oopsie. Sorry, Eric. Um, You're Italian. You talk with your hands. I know. I need. Uh, that's why I'm holding them like this now. <laughs> we also pray. Like, <laughs> um, so so yeah. So it's just like this, like used marketplace thing. But you know, where people used to sell like their like collectibles on eBay, now yeah. they'll sell them on Offer Up and they'll sell them on Let Go. Oh, okay. And I was using Let Go, and now they're like, you can't use this anymore because Offer Up bought us. So. So, yeah, so it's just whatever. I've just been looking for used Legos because that is what we play Legos and we that's our favorite pastime. And I'm right sure now. he has like a ton already, right? Oh, my goodness. He has yeah. a ton. And then our neighbor, one of my friends, she's like, I went to high school with her, but she's also my neighbor. Her son is in junior high school now and he kind of grew out of his Lego sets. Yeah. So we inherited their Lego sets. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, and Legos have definitely evolved from when yeah. we were kids. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I mean, literally, we have made a pet shop, a bookshop. Uh, we've made, like, he has raptors and pterodactyls, and they have little claws that come out. Remember when, like, our Legos were just, like, cubes yeah. of things? Yeah, oh, yeah. no, no. Very now, basic. Very, yeah, now yeah. it's, like, they have, like, little clear dots for eyes yeah. that you can put on. Yeah, um, yeah and then... The Lego figures all have like they're just like little character driven. Like yeah. there's a scuba diver we have. Yeah. We have oh my god. Well, the movie and everything. Oh my right? goodness, so fantastic. Yeah, and <laughs> oh my god, if if I could, right now, if I could get like a dream job, like it would be on like working on like the Lego movies. Really? Just oh my god, because. The honesty of like the Lego Batman movie uh-huh. is so funny. Like is when it? when he yeah. talks about himself and how he's like a multi, like how weird he is. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's just it's really really yeah well done. And the Lego movie was fantastic too. But yeah, I'm a fan. I mean, wow. I like Play-Doh too, but it's not as fun. Yeah. Yeah. Why am I talking about this stuff? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, you're a good mom and you play with your son and. Yeah, you get you buy them lo- uh, Legos, so yeah, and and that's why. and we make these it. we make these little videos. Um, we make these little videos for TikTok, okay, and uh, and literally a lot of it is. What's your TikTok improv, handle? Melanie B Comedy, same as Instagram, but um, a lot of it is like very improv. Like I'll start as I'll just kind of like start like a scene with a character, and then he like plays, and I just film the whole thing, and then like I might cut it a little bit just for time, but. It's uh, 
in the last one that we did, he's like, I don't know how much you guys love Star Wars. Have you seen all of the Star Wars movies yet? Yeah. Okay. The last one was great. Yeah. Okay. So we have a Kylo Ren mm-hmm. and we have a Ray. Yeah. Okay. And you know how like Ray, like Kylo Ren is in love with Ray and she's like, you're so bad. Like, stay away from me. I'm not for you. Well, like, yeah. you know, I'm like ad-libbing this. <laughs> um, so we, we play that Kylo Ren, <laughs> we just play that. And so in the last one, Kylo Ren is going to go tell Uncle Luke because Luke Skywalker is his uncle. Oh, and, yeah. you know, she calls him Master Luke and he's like Uncle Luke. So he's going to tell her that he loves Ray. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm in love with Ray. And so <laughs> I, I just like, so I just started off the scene and my son and I were just going back and forth. And he says things like, where I'm like, does Ray, <laughs> like this literally happened. Like, <laughs> I go, does she ever talk about me? And my son goes, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, no. Does she ever talk about <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Man>, He's cold. <laughs> He's so cold. And then, um, and then I was like, I don't know if I said, like, I want to marry her. Like, my son says, like, I think you should marry someone else. Oh. Like, like, can you imagine me in real life yeah. and going to talk to someone right. being like, look, I'm in love with this girl. And then be like, <laughs> no. <laughs> but, yeah, that's the next one that's going to come out. So maybe I'll send it to you guys and yeah. I'll send it to you. And then that's the video you can play my little stop motion yeah. Lego nonsense. send it to me. That, that's cool. But, yeah, there that is. <laughs> Things I do at home during COVID. <laughs> nice. So when it first happened and we were all on lockdown, what what did you get into? Like when you were just stuck at home and you couldn't get out? And well, luckily, so this was weird. So luckily I had Benjamin with me because um, his dad was still living a little bit further away. Because that, uh, what happened was I ended up having to bring work home mm-hmm. and, um, I ended up having to work with my son there. Mm. So he was able to kind of get into a rhythm and be adjusted. Mm-hmm. And we got into a rhythm, but pretty much it was like all of a sudden, like at home preschool, you know, mm-hmm. while I worked during the day. And, and, um, yeah, we just, we, pl- we kept the garden going, you know, we, we planted a lot of things yeah. and we just tried to, you know, we made Play-Doh, we, we, we just kind of hold up and tried to, you know, I was really in the belief system that if all of us just like wore our masks for like two weeks, if we just like stayed in for two weeks, we could just, you know, narrowed it down and we wouldn't be in the position that we were in but i also wanted to take him for walks Mm -hmm. and and get him outside so he has a bunch of costumes and i would put him in his costume and he would be out like he would be wearing a mask but he was also like wearing a mask and i told (laughs) him like you know it's like well no we're gonna play dress up everyone's playing dress up like see that person walking over there they are a disguised runner (laughs) (laughs) so so i i want there's a mailman yeah (laughs) so you know, and he was kind of, you know, he was, he was little enough 
And I felt like it was going to be short-lived enough where I didn't have to make it as serious. Yeah. And then when it started to be like, oh, this is going to last longer than two weeks, then I, you know, I had to explain to him like why we couldn't play with our friends that are our neighbors right now and why we weren't playing with Nick, who is, um, you know, someone who we, Benji calls his brother. Like if I ever asked Benji, like, Benji, do you want a brother or sister? He's like, I have a brother because, you know, Nick and him are so close. Oh. So, you know, we couldn't play with Nick and I had to explain that people were getting sick and that's why we were wearing masks and that's why we are giving space when we go for walks on the sidewalk and, you know, we don't know what's going to happen and doctors are trying to fix it and, you know, we're just going to try to stay as safe as we can. We're going to pray for everybody who has it and we're going to pray that, you know, we're going to be able to, to, to get it under wraps kind of, you know, and yeah, it was hard, but stand up the loss of stand up hurt a lot yeah you know just and it's weird too because you know what else really really hurt um the jobs that we do on set like whether it's background or even auditioning there's this thing when you are submitting and you have the ability and you see these job opportunities there there is a feeling of I can, especially as a single parent, like there is an opportunity out there for me to make extra, to bring extra home for my child, you know, and, um, the, the looking down into my phone and seeing those jobs stop and dry up, like there was that feeling of just of severe loss of, of an opportunity that was once there and that was strong and, um, you know, I booked uh, I booked a a really good gig in January that you know paid me normally like what a month's paycheck is you know wow. <laughs> like you know in one day yeah. pretty much and um, that I was very grateful for that because that you know helped you know that money was saved and and I and that helped me during that time and but that that was really depressing. Mm-hmm. And and they're starting to come back a little bit now and there's like COVID rules and, you know, the way that they're shooting. But like you said, you know, the, the working, the getting a background gig or the commercial gigs that used to be there, like the chance to know that I could go out and possibly make $500 in a day. Yeah. You know, like, and, and $500 is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. To, to some people, maybe it's not like to Jeff Bezos, maybe it's not. But when you're feeding a child, sure, you know, like that really goes a long way. And yeah. when you know, there's preschool or, you know, possibly being able to put them in soccer. Like, you know, it's, it's, it really does. And so those, that, that kind of hit me hard, just as hard as thinking that it would be a while before I got to be able to get in front of a crowd and really laugh with everybody and just, you know, have that thing where, where, you know, like, it really is a sense of community yeah. when you know the stand-up comedy show and yeah. so losing that sense of community losing the feeling of opportunity you know that that once were and then you know i just started to think like okay so you know you can't just because the light isn't on you it doesn't mean you stop working right you know you just work in the dark and so just you know i've just been writing scripts and you know, I, I started to make like little how to do movies with like how we, how we garden and how we, that sort of thing. And then it ended up being that it's just better to, to film what we do and we just play, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just 
those are really cute and I'm loving those a little bit more and Benji's into it. And then, uh, you know, when he's with his dad now, I, I edit it at home. And then when I cool. see him, you know, it's like, okay, do you want to see our new movie? And he's just like, yeah. And then, you know, that's it. Nice. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, it is a sense of community. Us comedians, we're used to being out, you know, at least five nights a, a, a week and interacting with other comedians and interacting with a crowd and connecting with that crowd because that's what comedians do, you know, uh, is connect with, with the crowd. And the crowd is people, you know, and yeah. we've been denied that, you know, uh, you know, since uh, uh, the beginning of March, you know, and that's something that we're just not used to because, you know, comedians, uh, we're not used to being um, away from the stage this long. We're also not used to staying in at nights. Like, you know, I mean, as a mom, like I do, but when in my head, when Benji's father moved back here, I, I thought, okay, so then I'll have nights to go out and do stand-up comedy. And then, you know, when Benji's father moved back, you know, he quarantined for a month because he lived in New York at the time. And, you know, it was very high COVID rates and all of that. So he came back, but stand-up had stopped. And, you know, I do think that, I do think that the mayor of Los Angeles has, has made some really tough decisions. And I understand that. And there's a lot of pressure and, and, and I get that. And he's trying to keep a lot of people safe, but I think that there are some rules and some enforcements of rules that are just a little bit over the top. So, you know, especially as far as like stand up is concerned, um, you know, at the comedy store, they were, someone was performing in the OR, like just through the window, just through the, like through a window, right? Like, so they're inside, everybody's outside and the sound was just running on the patio mm-hmm. and they shut that down because they were like, no, we, you can't have any live performances. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like, who is at risk? So you, it's just very, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a little like, that's a little much. And as far as like, you know, I mean, I, I just started an outdoor comedy show this past week and, um, I every comedian is going to have a different mic. Yeah. So nobody, I I Clorox wipe the cord and the the mic stand and everything. I Clorox wipe the seat just in case they put something on the seat. Like just touch the seat because surface area. Yeah. I have and like I have over and beyond the PPE just in case a comedian just feels like I want to wear the face shield. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to wear this clear face shield unless you're walking up to a table, yeah. you know, like you, it's not a rule, but just right. in case, because there are so much, there's so much, many different levels of concern that we all have, yeah. you know, based on our, our health. So I don't know, but, but the thought process too, that someone could come in and be like, Oh, well you need $500 more worth of stuff to, to speak in an open space in a completely, you know, you just, you just don't know what's going to come next. (laughs) So, I mean, right now I have everything covered, but yeah, I mean, I have concerns about somebody saying like, now you need this and now you need this and me not being able to get it because I'm not a big corporation and a lot of PPE is like six weeks out on an order. So yeah, I don't know, but I feel like what I'm doing right now with this outdoor show, it's really needed. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. People don't uh, factor in a mental health. And, um, yeah, you're keeping a lot of people safe by 
staying at home and, you know, not getting in big crowds and stuff like that. But, you know, people's mental health is being affected. And um, that could be just as dangerous as this virus. Yeah. Because, you know, the suicide rates are going up. And, uh, you know, comedians don't need any help. You know, in that department, unfortunately. Yeah, we have we have a high rate of depression. Or just like, um, yeah, it's just, I mean, because we're constantly evaluating what we're, you know, what we're talking about and what's out there. What made you uh, get into stand-up at such a late time in your life? I mean, <laughs> that wasn't late, but... <laughs> I was retired from life at that point, and I thought, why not try something new? No. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's, it kind of is like that. No, that's not what it was. Um, it's a little dark, but a lot of Let's what we're talking there, about Mal. is. Um, okay, oh, yeah. so, yeah. All right, so what was it? Oh, let's see. So what... What triggered, I would say like three events triggered this thing. Um, one was that I, two two deaths happened like very, very close. And one yeah. of them was uh, actually, a, my ex, I, I have an ex-boyfriend who I thought that I was going to marry. And to this day, I adore his family. And he is a very excellent person. He's married to someone else now. Um, I wrote a joke about it. <laughs> I wrote a joke of course you did. Of course I did. But um, not about the marriage, not about their marriage. I, I hope they have many, many years and many beautiful babies if they want them. And, you know, I, I wish I wish him the best. And I wrote a joke about that, too. But um, but his someone that was very close to someone he considered a brother and that I knew very well was 22 years old and he got in a motorcycle accident. And he died. And then two weeks later, my cousin died. And, you know, just uh, very tragically. And I was sitting in my bedroom and I was like crying. And I was at the time reading a book on neuro-linguistic programming and goal setting and like finding your life's just purpose through goal setting. And, uh, and in that book, it was saying like, you know, what was the look back? What was the thing that you liked to do as a kid? And uh, the thing that I liked to do most as a kid was make my cousins laugh. Nice. And then uh, I, you know, was just just delved into reading, just because I mean it was better than crying, yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah. um, I was Are you reading. A big reader. Uh, you know, I do look like books, but I have not. You know, mostly now they're like cat in the hat sort of books. But yeah, I, I do like books, and um, yeah. And then the next thing, one of the next chapters was on, you know, what do you do in your downtime? And when I was working in Malibu, I was working at this retail store that was incredibly boring. And I would write little sketches that I didn't know were sketches yet because I never went to sketch school or anything. But I would like write little stories and little things. And I had filled up like four different notebooks just because nobody had come in, which is all these funny little weird stories. And so, um, yeah, so I ended up talking to someone who was close to me and saying like, hey, I want to do stand-up comedy. And he was like, you know, I'll call me back at five on Monday. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And so I did, and he was like, all right, read, read me something that you wrote that you think is funny. And, and I read it, and he was like, you know, that's funny. He was like, that's, that's funny. He's like, so, well, so well, I would recommend that you try stand-up comedy because, you know, there are, you'll be around like-minded people who, you know, want to be, you know, who are funny, and, you know, that would probably be a better way for you to go. 
And I was like, okay, like doe-eyed, like sure. <laughs> and uh, he was like, well, where do you want to go up? And I said, uh, I don't know, the comedy store? Okay, mind you, I am an Oxnard kid who went to school in Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah. And whenever I ditched school, the furthest south I would come is Santa Monica or Santa Barbara. Like I was not the kid that was always rolling into Hollywood and coming to L.A. Yeah. And I remember hiking, running with my sister, and she pointed out to me downtown in Century City. It was the first time I had seen it. And that was like three months after doing stand-up comedy. Really? You know, trying. Yeah. So wow. I never, yeah, I just didn't, I, was, I wasn't the kid that ventured into Hollywood to party until I ended up broken, breaking up with the guy that, you know, I, I had dated for a long time. And um, so that being said, like, I only knew three comedy places. Yeah. I only knew, like, the Improv, the Laugh Factory, and the Comedy Store. And I had never been to any one of them. Like, I'd seen stand-up comedy, but, like, never at the big time. And so I was like, I don't know, the Comedy Store? And he's like, okay. So this guy calls the Comedy Store and somehow gets me a spot on the open mic that oh. next Monday. Yeah. And uh, he lied. He lied and was like, my cousin from Philly is a great stand-up comedian. You know, I think you should put on one of the shows. And at the time, uh, I think, like, Dean was the manager. And Dean was like, and I mean, he just, like, bullied my way onto that stage. And so, like, I show up, like, to the comedy store. I've never been there before. There are all these comedians on the patio. And I was like, um, hi, I'm supposed to talk to Dean. I'm supposed to go on stage tonight. And, like, they were like... Uh, yeah, right. And I was like, no, yeah, like just, I mean, just so innocent, like not knowing anything about how it all went down, how these are comedians that have been working at this for like six and seven years. Some of them are like me, like just dumb, you know, they'd never done it before. And they're like, I'll just try at the comedy store. Uh." And that was me. And I was like, okay. So I invited a couple of people that I knew to, to go to this thing. Cause I was like, I'm going to go up on stage at the comedy store. And I was like happy as could be. And again, like just really, really green and naive and not knowing at all. Yeah. And I started and like nobody laughed at the beginning, you know, and I just kept on going with what I wrote. And then like the last minute people started laughing and it was like on stage in the OR at the comedy store on a Sunday night open mic. And when they started laughing, I was like, that was the moment. I was like, this is what I was meant to do. Wow. I'm going to make this happen. That was your happen. first time? Yeah. Wow. It's amazing. Yeah. The, and the OR, wow. Yeah. That was your first stage. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. There was a time in this was so this is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in college, I worked at a college bar in Lexington, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And um, one we used to have a Tuesday night comedy show that would pack the house. I mean, it's it's like now, like, a com- like I would love to have done that stage now. Like, even now, I'd be like, what? Like, will you let me on that stage? Because it is just a fantastic, fun wow. night, Tuesday night comedy. Yeah. And one night, the comedians were running late. And so the boss says, Baldonado, get on stage and tell some jokes. Because I was the weirdo who read the back of the Playboy magazine at my different (laughs) boyfriend's house. And they had the Playboy party jokes. And I, in my head, I like just remembered all of these jokes that I hadn't written. Right. So I get on stage to tell these Playboy party jokes. And like, they're not my jokes though. But I mean, obviously I didn't really have a fear of being on stage, you know? So that was the first time I was ever on stage, like in a comedic sense. But it wasn't like my risk because yeah. these were jokes that had already been written by other people in Playboy. Did you bring you know? the magazine up or did you I wish I it? had it. No, I, I would just memorize these oh. jokes from the Playboy party jokes yeah. just because I just thought that they were really funny. And wow. But you want to hear something like really, really interesting? Yeah. Is that uh, not until 
I had done stand-up comedy for a while. Like, I didn't tell anybody except for one person. I didn't tell anybody in my family that I was doing stand-up comedy until I had been doing it for a year. Wow. So then I was like, okay, I think I can start telling my family. <laughs> but uh, besides my sister, my little sister knew. Uh, my grandmother, the one that I tell jokes about, she has had this little book that she writes jokes in that she thinks are fun, that she hears that she thinks are funny. Yeah. And she like goes and she like the same way that people like take wow. notes on like their wines yeah. and stuff. Yeah. She has had this little joke, this little book for years. It's amazing. Yeah. So when, yeah. And she like, never knew about this. Never knew about it. Wow. But yeah. So she has like all these little jokes written of like jokes that she, like the, the ones that come in like women's day, if there's like a joke in there and she's like, Oh, I like that. <laughs> or like wow. AARP. I don't know what she reads, but like so it's genetic i guess yeah like it runs in the family and she'll crack little jokes too mm -hmm. like um i i put on instagram i did they were doing this thing on tiktok like pretend you're an influencer like in yeah. front of your spouse did uh, you see those no that sounds oh funny God, though it is so funny because nice. the person will be like filming their spouse but they look like they're talking to the camera being like okay so i you know i i'm getting my hair done this way i know you have been asking about my highlights and like and like the husband will be like <laughs> like, they're like, like what who yeah. are you talking to what are you doing yeah. and like, like he's on camera or like vice versa it's just really funny like kids with their parents phoning their parents everyone's like who are you talking to yeah like, so my grandmother she's like i did that thing where i was like okay so i'm gonna be getting my ring light soon and like things i have two ring lights like i don't need it like the company sent me them but um I was just saying whatever they say on like influencers yeah. say. And so my grandmother's just calmly listening, letting me shoot this video. And then uh, when she thinks I'm done, she goes, who was that? And I was like, oh, I'm shooting a video for my followers. She goes, followers of what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. She's just so cute. I know. So, yeah, that's. You should you should do one to your parents. But yeah, the, I should. <laughs> I love to see it. <laughs> be, like, be like, this is my hair gel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this shirt is <laughs> this this V neck is from is from H and M. Right. Yeah. Hashtag H and M. H and M. Yeah. My nipples are showing through this thing because it's cold in here. <laughs> I'm alright. <laughs> Oh, uh, so, I mean, but one thing is to try it. You stuck to it. That's crazy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because, you know, it was one of the those moments. There's that quote. Uh, there's this quote that says something like, there's always a moment in childhood where uh, the a window opens and lets the world in, you yeah. know? And even though, like, it wasn't in childhood, that was one of the moments in adulthood, too. It was like, like, as soon as, like, those laughs started, I was like, yep, this is it. And in a way, and this isn't to put um, the person down that I dated for a long time. It's it's not to put him down at all. But I remember at one point in time, I kind of felt like, you know, I could settle in to be this person's wife and work at this person's, you know, like family's business. And like, I could settle in to do that. Like, I love that person like that much. But now that I've done stand up, I realized that if I had gone that route and if I had had that family, 
without finding stand-up, then I would have felt like there was something missing throughout. You know, like something would have happened along the road, along like that marriage, where I would have been like, I, I need to do something that's a little bit more. And now that I have stand-up, like, like literally, like I've said for a long time, like God, stand, like God, Benji, and stand-up. Like if I have God, Benji, and stand-up, like I can, I, I have what I need to be content. Like God, Benji, stand-up, like just happy. Yeah. Like take away one of those things, like, and I will not be complete. Yeah. There it is. And, uh, I mean, that's just great. I mean, like I said, like, one thing is like starting it or doing it once, but to continue doing this is just, I mean, that just says a lot about you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank absolutely. You too. You've been yeah, doing thanks. it longer. Yeah. But, um, you know, you're a beautiful woman and it's a male driven, uh, you know yeah you know job. It, it, it's a male driven job and it's still you know to a lot of a lot of in a lot of ways it's like a male uh also like a male ruled or just like uh what would you say like male dominated yeah. you know like you know a lot of the bookers are males and where i think like me too has hurt it's it's done a lot to benefit like the, you know, people are kind of opening their eyes and reevaluating how we treat each other sexually and how we speak to one another and yeah. like, like from each gender from, or just from all of sides, you know, I mean, I, I reevaluated too sometimes like times that I've said something on stage and I'm like, that sounded what it's, what it sounded like was not what I meant, you know, but it's just, um, what I'm trying to say though, is that it, because it's still male dominated, if a female comes out and she says, this person sexually harassed me, there are male bookers who will feel like, well, I don't really know if I want to book her because what if she is just like super, super sensitive and she, you know, and, and she thinks that if I say like nice set or like, you know, like you look nice today, like she's going to think that I sexually harassed her. So there's like that danger of, of being brave and saying like, this person is a creep. Or, you know, of not getting booked, of like being blacklisted. And then, I mean, you know, obviously you've seen me like bust my ass to produce shows. Yeah. I don't, I'm not trying to, God, this is one of them that's going to get me in trouble. Say it. Um, I will see sometimes some female comedians and they will talk about like the lack of representation when it comes to genders on a comedy show. And I feel the same way, but some of the differences that I'll see with me and some of the other female bookers and some of the other female producers is that like, okay, we see a problem, but we're going to be a part of the solution and we're going to go out and we're going to produce a show. And even though it takes a, the effort, like, and you know this because you're a producer, the effort it takes, the the promotion, the booking, the picking the lineup to make sure that, like, it's not stale. Yeah. The, the thought process that goes, the late nights, everything that goes into producing a comedy show, we're going to make that sacrifice of our energy and of ourselves, and sometimes maybe maybe stagnating our career a little bit yeah. because if we weren't doing that and we were just doing shows, yeah. we could grow so much faster sure. comedically. Yeah. But 
it's the sacrifice that some of us are making in order to solve a, be the solution to yes. something that we see as a problem. And yeah. I'm not trying, like, I'm one of those people that's like, put up or shut up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Me, like, I'm yeah. not trying, and I'm I know, like, way. I know this could get me in trouble for saying this, but. but why? But because I just sound like, like, like I sound like, oh, well, you know, like you're just complaining, but you're doing nothing. And like, that's not what I mean. I mean, like, like there's opportunity out there. So yeah, there is a problem. I'm not denying that there's a problem. There yeah. is a problem with representation on a lot of like the big shows. However, it doesn't mean that you can't, you can't get out there and be a part of the solution and go do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's male dominated. It's male driven. But I feel like the more people of color, the more, you know, female producers who have experienced some discrimination when it comes to like people only booking their friends yeah. or, you know, like all of that, like, or they just try to book like somebody that, that could help them, uh, in the future, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Or they go like, they, they, they totally go, you know, I'm going to book all these big guys cause maybe they'll take me on the road with them, you mm-hmm. know, as opposed to like, you know, they, they really like this person or they really think they're funny. That's what so, they do too. I had uh, Stephanie Clark on this first show and she has a, it's, she has a company called Funny Girl Events, yeah. and they go producing shows like I mean in just a bunch of places. And yeah. usually it's her and Tom traveling together, but it's a, who's her husband. But sometimes it's not. Yeah. Um, long story short, she posted something the other day where it says something like, you know, it's great to see stand up is starting to make a comeback, but it would be really nice to see the you know, like not only famous names on those lineups, but the, you know, some of the comedians who have suffered. Yeah. Like, like the comedians who are like working comedians, like you and I, who yeah. are like going and like doing a set for 150 bucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like yeah. whatever it was. Like, it'd be nice to see that because we live in a city that is so rich with talent. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like, and I'm, this is not to put them down either, but like the Ventura Fairgrounds just had David Spade and Rob Schneider. Oh you know, do a show there. And I understand that that's going to bring a big draw and it's fantastic, but like they don't need the money as much as we need the money. You know what I mean? Like they don't like it's, it's well, that's why there's no money in LA to be made because you got talent like that saying, Hey, it will go up for no money just because we could afford not to get paid. Yeah. That's a problem too. And you know, I mean, my goal is for this show to like, get some merch, sell some t-shirts, make sure that the comedians are all paid something and it's not out completely out of mine and Benjamin's savings, you know? Um, but like part of it too, is that this, this thing, if, if, if some, if some of the positive things come out of COVID happening, it's like, I'm hoping that people look back and they realize what they've taken for granted in terms of, of what we had before. I mean, people literally, well, I, th- I hope I think they, they do. Might, you I, know? I, I, I think I, they might because I'm it's like. I'm optimistic about that. People in Los Angeles were so accustomed to free shows at the Dime and at like these really cool places. And it was like, oh, Wednesday night, we're going to go see this free comedy show. Yeah. And then you would have killers like Adam Hunter. Yeah. You know, it's like this free thing. And like, yeah, it like makes the bars money and it makes this. But in reality, like if. Like the the comedy is worth it to where if you were like, okay, yeah, like they're $10 drinks, but it's also $10 a ticket to yeah. come in. Like people, because people aren't used to paying for it. Yeah. Then they're like, oh my God, $10 a ticket. But right. if you're like, you're going to see world-class entertainment yeah. inside, it's $10 a ticket. Yeah. Like now people might be like, yeah, you know, I remember when we used to have stand-up comedy and yeah, it is worth right. 
$10 a ticket, you yeah. know, for a place like the dime. Yeah. Like, you know, my ticket price is $22 and one, I, I believe, I believe that it's worth it. A $22 thing. You don't have to drive into Hollywood and pay for parking and all of that. It's outdoors. I invested in that PPE, all of the mics, the restaurant invested in like everything it could to stay open during this time. Like, yeah, it's $22, but like if there's one night of the week, you're going to go out, you're going to have a great experience and you're going to go home and, and you're going to be helping people who've been out of work for six months. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention laughter heals. Yeah, totally. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I agree. That's great. I, you know, I really admire you because I've seen you, you know, pretty much from the beginning and, uh, you have been a go-getter and you've all, you've done it without stepping over people and without throwing anybody out of the, uh, under the bus and just through hard work and, uh, you know, being ambitious and it's just been beautiful to see. Well, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it. And, uh, you know, you've, uh, always, you know, booked me and, uh, always, uh, you know, re- returned, you know, kind of like the favor. Cause I mean, I feel like giving something in return when somebody gives me something, like, even if they don't give me something, I feel, you know, if they're a good person, I like to give them something, you know, and uh, us as producers, we get to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, book some really, you know, hilarious, you know, people that, that we're friends with, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, and it's, it feels kind of like, you know, when we were talking earlier and we were naming comedians, like, oh, do you know this comedian? Do you know this comedian? When you've been doing it for like me, 10, well, 11 years, if you count it all from the start, but also for this long, you just meet so many people along the way. And then some people like move and they scatter to the wind or like yeah. they're in New York now or like mm-hmm. they're going to come back and yeah. you know, this, this whole thing. But you end up, seeing somebody sometimes you haven't seen in over a year and it feels like yesterday and like there's no animosity like where have you been why haven't you called me like it's not that it's like we have an understanding of yeah we're we're gonna lose as we go on these crazy roads through comedy like you know some at some point we're like not gonna see each other and then one day we're gonna rendezvous with the improv for some reason and like yeah. it's just love, it's it's pure love. And and yeah. where have you been? What have you been doing? And like colleges, what have you been doing? Like I've been producing. Yeah, you know, just it's 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 something that um, it's a really beautiful thing to have, and I'm I'm grateful that I do. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that's I love that. Uh, and I hope people are grateful when things come back because I remember when this first shut down and uh you know because us as producers i'm sure you've booked you know comedians that showed up to your show and maybe they they're a little ungrateful you know and maybe they uh kind of like just seem like they don't care or they you know act unprofessional or whatever whatever the case may be maybe they're just taking that uh spot for granted and there's a lot of people that would love that spot yeah. A lot of comedians that wouldn't take it for granted. A lot of comedians that would be a lot more professional that didn't get this spot. So, uh, you know, I really hope that, uh, uh, you know, co- comedians do come back with a sense of uh, gratitude. Because I feel the same way as you. I, 
I've always been proactive and I said, you know, I'm going to be the solution to the problem. Um, you know, and I'm going to put on shows because I, I believe, you know, I've always been kind of a, you know, I've always had great parties, you know, just, I guess from being a DJ, you know, like, you know, we just, we know what a good party is, you know what I mean? So, and then, you know, uh, me kind of being an apprentice at the Ha Ha Comedy Club and just doing whatever it takes to get on stage and, you know, exchanging, you know, DJing services for stage time, you know, or whatever, uh, you know, bartending uh, services, whatever, uh, you know, that they needed, um, you know, I was there for them and then I got stage time in return. So I got to see what it takes to put on a good show, you know, and that's right. pretty much how I started and that's how I came up. So, and then, you know, I basically took over booking, uh, for, you know, a couple of days out of the week and it turned out to four or five days out of the week where I was booking, uh, comedians over there. And so I know what it takes to put on a good comedy show and, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I just, uh, you know, I hope this thing has taught a lot of people that, hey, you should be grateful for the spot and you should be grateful for what we do. We do stand-up comedy and we're making uh, these people laugh and uh, we need that more than ever right now, mm-hmm. you know. We totally need it more than ever. And then, you know, especially me, because then I got into the real divey uh, bar scene, uh, you know, as far as producing a show, because I'll I'll do a show anywhere. Well, a lot of these shows were, you know, placed on my, uh, you know, on my lap because a lot of other comedians couldn't do it. So they're like, hey, Eric, you know, just, you know, take the show over. So I did. So I got into a lot of, you know, places that I, I probably normally wouldn't. But I don't continue doing something I don't like. So if I'm still there, it's because I love it, you know. Here's something, though, that I have to say about at least two of your, because I've done quite a few of your shows at different venues. There is a show, stand-up in the deep San Fernando Valley is one of the best training grounds you will ever have in, in anywhere, anywhere. And I know that like New York's a hard place. I know that Boston is a hard place because, you know, of the legends that have come out of there and also like the people are like a little bit more gritty sometimes in some areas, but and North Hollywood is pretty gritty. Flipping North Hollywood, <laughs> the deep San Fernando Valley. Yeah. Like there are people that have been sitting at that bar since three o'clock and your show is sure. at nine o'clock. Yes. And like the thing I've is like, oh yeah, like the thing. And they're like, they have every reason to pour their, their brains and everything else into the yeah. bottom of that shot glass. And they weren't there for stand up. So right. you have to win them. And then you're competing with the Laker games that are on the TV in front of people and, you know, Dodger games. And like you have to, or just anything, yeah. you have to win the audience. And it is the toughest, toughest place. But there is a place, uh, the place in Burbank, what is it called where there's like pool tables in the back? Yeah, the park bar. Yeah, the park. That's a really tough place because they'll just be shooting a pool and everybody else, like, let's say that you get everyone quiet. Yeah. Like, oh my God, like you've won like the audience. And I've had that moment where it's like, I have like everybody here in the front and on the sides, like I'm in it, like I'm on a roll. And then all of a sudden, like you just hear the, the pool balls break, break, and, clank. Like, break and you're just like, oh my God. 
but clank <laughs> but if if you can win like that amount of the crowd like the pool like like you're gonna smash at the improv yeah. you're gonna like when people for the people who actually came to watch like to win those crowds and then also the one in north hollywood where it's like so small and you can't park there after 10 yeah. but like you pack that little room yeah and they're like like there are vatos there that i swear are like in rival gangs mm-hmm. and they just like Put, like put their tattoos i guess yeah. on on like blinders <laughs> against each other because they're gonna watch some stand-up comedy and yeah. maybe this is the night where they're like not gonna have the grudges and like you could just like i mean it's a tough tough room but i mean i've done well on there and like i've left on cloud nine because i have felt like if i could win this room i can win any room yeah and like i have no regrets it's great training and if i yeah. don't do well it's like okay because oh, you're real stand-up you know, you're you're real. You're the real deal, and I love to see it. And you're like, you got this sweetheart look, but you're tough as nails. You're like, like <laughs> I've seen you go up on stage where, like, you, exactly what you just described. You know, cholos and and Dodger gear and teardrops everywhere, and uh, you know, and you just roll up there and boom, you just command the stage and. You're just like, uh, you know, I got jokes. I got stuff to work out. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're going to hear this because I, you know what I mean? I waited. Yeah. So I feel like I have a question for you okay. about like the haha, the old haha on the Lancashire at, yeah. at, on Lancashire is, is, I think they're both on, but you know, I, the old one is, yeah. is where we started. Did you like approach Jack when you were like, hey, I, I can DJ in exchange for stage time yeah. or like, I did. nice. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I totally did. Because, you know, they had a DJ booth there. And, uh, you know, being there at open mic, it was just so quiet and awkward after a comedian Mm. got off and bombed, you know, which was every comedian that got off. You know what I mean? It's just, I mean, just very few laughs here and there. You know, uh, LA open mic, it's just very few. And it's just awkward, you know? And uh, I was just like, man, you know? Music would, uh, you know, lighten it up a little bit. And I just saw opportunity there. So uh, I did. And I, I ended up staying the whole night. And then Jack's like, yeah, you know, hey, you know, you like that? Absolutely. You know, you know, and then that got me out of, you know, because they charge five dollars uh, for five minutes. Yeah. Ten dollars for ten. Yeah. So, I mean, not all open mics charge, but that's a good stage right there. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are happy to pay five bucks to get up there yeah you know i was one of them and uh so yeah it got me out of paying the five bucks Mm -hmm. and uh so it was great and uh i never left (laughs) that's great yeah 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 uh, i got a lot of memories about uh that i learned so much you know not only from uh you know, a comedian standpoint, but like the owner's perspective, because Jack would constantly tell me what he didn't like about comedians or about, you know, what was going on, you know? Yeah. You'd like, so I learned a lot. And that's, and that's something that you and me, we get because um, we're producers. So we kind of have a very similar uh, perspective from a cl- club owner or a booker because you know 
we, we're thinking the same thing. Is this guy going to run the light or is this guy going to show up on time or is this guy going to walk the audience or is this guy, you know, so you and me, we have that because we produce shows and, uh, you know, of course, so does the club owner. And not only that, and uh, what, what I learned is uh, how to approach uh, a club owner or a booker for stage time and do's and don'ts. Have you learned that? Like, um, have anyone ever approached you about uh, being booked on your show and you're just like, whoa, that's not how you ask for a spot? Yeah. 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 Like, it's some of the most polite ways, I think, are when I get a message on Facebook, hey, I see you have a show, you know, you know, I would love to get a spot upcoming, you know? And, like, I feel like that's a really good, like, simple way Mm -hmm. to ask. Yeah. But then there are times too, like there's one particular person who has asked me repeatedly for a spot on Facebook, but when I've seen him at shows, he's never come up to say hello. Really? Yeah. Like, it's like he, I, it's like, do I not, do I look different on Facebook? Because I think that's me. I think I'm pretty honest. I don't use a whole lot of filters, you know, I'm like, <laughs> like, yeah, like, I mean, He's been like very, very um, vocal about and like I, I heard from like other producers that like he's always asking for spots and he's like very funny. But yeah, he never says like I've sat next to him once in on the west side. I ended up just he sat right next to me and I said hello and he's like, hey. And like, yeah, like just I think he just goes around like sees like posters and who's producing a show. He's like, hey, can I get a spot? Can I get a spot? Can I get a spot? Yeah. You know, but then yeah. it's just like that quick, like, can I get a spot? And here's a video. And it's just like, yeah, like there's part of me that, and, and I understand that because I moved to Atlanta after having Benji for a little bit. And then I came back and it was like a little bit hard to reenter because, you know, LA comedy has evolved in, in a lot of ways, but I feel like the people like you, like there's a, there's people who have been doing it for a while and like, we still know each other. Mm-hmm. So some of, so there are people here that like, they just, I don't know, maybe they just feel like that's the way to go. Just like, here's my video. And, mm. but I, you know, it's like, sometimes I just want to be like, I think you need to understand. Like I have at least like 200 real yeah. comedian friends that yeah. I consider to be like actual friends yeah. who I know can kill a room and yeah. that are funny yeah. and that I have performed for a, a long, long time. Yeah. And I'd really like to see them yeah. and hang out with them. Yes. So I'm going to book them, right, right. you know, and like, and I, I, I appreciate the, you know, the tenacity and yeah. all of that, but like, you can't have hurt feelings if yeah. I don't book you because like I've been in this thing for like 10 years yeah. and I'd rather just happenstance to see you live. Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes that's how it's gone too. I've like gone to the improv for the open mic and I've been like, I want like that person's funny. I'd like to see that person. And that's, you know, and that's how maybe that's just the way that I think that it should be done. You know, just, I don't, I don't mind the, the tenacity of it, but just like, just, you cannot have been or hurt feelings and if you ask for a spot multiple times like you cannot diss the person that you asked like that'll stick with the person oh yeah like yeah yeah. absolutely like what's the rudest way that somebody's asked for a spot what the one that gets me is like when they're like hey uh you know if you ever need anybody for your shows you know let me know and (laughs) Look at you! You laugh. Like you just, you just laugh. You just, cause you just know. I mean, that's that's what I do in my head. I'm just, 
Anytime I hear that And like You'd be surprised How many times you hear that And then they just like Throw it out there Like Yeah man If if you ever need anyone For you know Your show Yeah let me know Just like Yeah well Luckily we live in LA And uh, I've been doing Comedy for Like 14 years So I know a lot of Comedians here Very funny comedians (laughs) You know Uh, So it's just like do I need some? If I ever need, so they make it seem like they're doing you a favor. Right. You understand? Like if yeah. you haven't, I'll help you out, dude. If you ever need anybody, we're not in like Indiana, you know, in a small town where maybe I, I yeah, I, I might need a comedian because there's none here in this, you know, small town, you know. But this is L.A. and there's a ton of you know comedians. Not not to mention I've been doing it for so long that like I know a lot of people. Right, and then, too, like, so long that now now a lot of the people that we started with are starting to break, or, yeah. or you know, the peop- there are people who have, like, brought us up a little bit. Yeah. So if, like, we have an extra spot in a yeah, way, you sure. know, it's like we want to work them in. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, and it's not, and I understand starting out, and maybe because I just went about it differently, I didn't, like honestly, I just went to open mics and then I just I just did the best that I could. And when people were like, "Hey, do you want to do my show?" I just showed up and I worked hard before I got there and I like, just tried my best. And I think that that like you know some people are like, "No, like that's the slow way." But to me, like I would rather just I would rather just um, do it in a way where it's not a flash in the pan. You know, do it in a way where I feel like confident that it can last and yeah you know i don't do know it. just do it <laughs> I've like that waiting to use that sound effect for a while <laughs> just like i don't know like I, I guess i didn't make sense right now maybe because i'm getting tired but but yeah i just you need you some know, chocolate i need some chocolate. Some, I need some, some more chocolate some um I don't know. Like, you know, somebody once told me like the 10 year thing, you know, the finding your voice, how like it takes at least 10 years to find your voice. And I was talking to a comedian that started like a year before me. And he was like, that is such bullshit. That's such like old man stuff. Like why, you know, that just, no, like it doesn't take 10 years. Like, you know, just for people, they just tell you that. So that way they can have their time (laughs) to be on stage longer before you, you know, like, yeah. And, um, no, I've been doing this for a while, and I think it takes at least yeah. ten years to get your yeah. voice. Yeah, you that know? sounds like a rookie talking. <laughs> like that's just yeah. they're just trying to sabotage yeah. your yeah, your yeah. success. It's all the man, dude, <laughs> trying to keep you down. It's not ten years, man. Yeah, like you could do it in three. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you obviously didn't read the ten thousand uh, rule book. That's right, yeah. the Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, yeah, it's great. See, I mean that 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 right there says it. You know. And uh, yeah, I'm a firm believer of that, you know. Yeah, same. I mean, I I went on stage for the first time in six months and like jokes, I told a few bits that I felt confident in because like I just like they're like my rolling ones. And then on the third one, I just like, I was like, no, no, it's not coming. It's not coming. I know it's supposed to come, but what comes before this? And I just had to take a moment and be like, all right, just, all right, this is it. Like, I mean, my pace was off. Yeah. But, like, you can't tell me that, like, after three years, you can just, like, you know, be on a roll. Yeah. And then also, like, after a six-month break. Yeah. Like, you're just going to get back up there and be like. Yeah. Here's my hour. Yeah. You know, like. 
No. And I mean, I, I hosted that show too. And you know, that first spot is always hard. <laughs> like, oh. Just like, oh, you hosted? Yeah, the, I oh, hosted. Yeah. So I just... I and mean, Backyard. I, People yeah. don't realize, especially the audience, the audience don't realize that laughter dissipates. <laughs> All right? Yeah. A comedian's worst nightmare. We don't want the laugh to dissipate. We want it to hit the walls, come back and so hit the true. sidewall and then hit you and like, you know, hit somebody's like, uh, you know glasses and bounce off of that there's sound waves there's laughter yeah. and every every joke that gets a laugh we want it to stay there we want it to last we want it you know right. ev- all that stuff you know it's just like we need that you know We're we need that effective. laughter <laughs> yes what? oh my god this is music to my ears <laughs> i know it's just jesus like i never no, thought i'd do. like a laugh track but Man, I just oh, give me it. And it's great because like you hear, you know, that's at least twenty people. <laughs> oh. When is there gonna be twenty people? I At know. your next show, that's where. Yeah, I mean, they'll have to sit apart, but yeah. yeah. And where can people buy tickets to your show? You know, I'm just going to have them at the door now. I put them on Eventbrite, but I like Event, it just keeps on having error messages. Really? <laughs> yeah. Event, yeah. Yeah. Eventbrite's, you know, kind of, you know, it doesn't. Uh, why don't you put it back on uh, Airbnb experiences? I could try that. Yeah, you yeah. should. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, might try because that. I know mm-hmm. they're they're still doing it. Yeah, uh, you they know. message me about you, about. You should all put that. it on there because okay. I because I used to do both uh, uh, Eventbrite and Airbnb, and I would sell way more tickets on Airbnb than Eventbrite. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I might do that, but you know, I probably we're just gonna do the tickets at the door for mm-hmm. the next show, and then I'll, I'll try the Airbnb experiences. Right and is yeah. there uh, food and drinks? That, uh, yeah, so there's a two item minimum. It's a one item food minimum, and it's also the you know just a drink minimum. It could be a soda, or it could be an actual drink. You know, I do want to. Can I can I spend yeah, a moment absolutely. to talk about the venue? Let's do it. Okay, so the venue is called Tavern One Hundred and One, and it's off the freeway in Agora Hills. It's like in between Chesbro and Canaan, but. This is a really, really cool thing. Last year during the fires, they shut down all the restaurants because it was too smoky. Like, I mean, everything was shut down and like just dangerous. The owner went and opened up his restaurant and fed all of the first responders and the firefighters for free. So they were like off fighting, you know, they were like being firefighters and first responders and like off fighting fighters and they were hungry and they could go and get this amazing prime rib chicken, like whatever was on the menu. He wasn't like... Wasn't like okay, so uh, you know you can't have the steak, you can't have the tri-tip, but you can have. I mean, just whatever there was, he wow. like fed them no charge, and um, like you know a lot of money, like a lot of money to feed them that came out of his own pocket, and you know, and the community just did not forget, and you know they're supporting. He's one of the business that is surviving now, but I was actually on the next door app, and I saw someone post like during this time when restaurants are suffering, please make sure we remember Tavern 101 because they were so generous with our first responders during the fire. And that is why, in a a way, like that name kind of stuck with me Mm. as like, as a place that may be a good place for stand-up comedy because in a way, whenever you bring stand-up to an establishment, you want it to be an establishment that deserves, you know, our talent as well. And to me, in a way, like, some some place that does that would deserve to have us like bring our talent, 
you know, and, and help them also yeah. stay in business or just, they probably, you know, I mean, they're, they're doing, they're okay right now, but I just, they have an outside patio. Yeah. They have the outside patio and then they also made a second patio in their normal parking lot, oh, you know, wow. so they pushed it out a little bit. So they have more sitting available. So they're, they're doing okay, which is a blessing, you know, considering too, that I think that if their business was one of the ones that closed after I read that post, it would just make me a little bit more depressed. Yeah. You know, but. So it's yeah. a mom and pop place, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's funny. Kira Sultanovich was on stage and she was like, I'm an immigrant. Anyone else an immigrant? And the owner raised his hand. <sighs> oh, yeah. Like immigrant from beautiful. Mexico. Yeah. Oh just so, it's yeah, beautiful. just so I, you know, I do want to kind of tout the place too is just a, a great place. So in you Agora know, Hills, you, in Agora Hills. So like if you were going to, you know, have a one outing a month where you spend a hundred bucks, you know, like hopefully it can Do be it one of these. Mom and pop yeah, place. mom and pop Local. come to a comedy show, totally. help support comedians, and yeah. you know, get us a little bit of pay yeah. again, and and also an establishment that supported the people who protected our homes, yeah. and and yeah, so that's great. Great. I'm glad you mentioned that because I love supporting, you know, local businesses, especially one ones like that that give back. You yeah. know. And they give back to the firefighters. That's awesome. Yeah. Really, totally. really great. And uh, oh, Melanie, thank you so much for coming out here. Thank you and so I'm sorry much. I kept you past your bedtime. It's and okay. and uh, I, I so much appreciate you. And I'm so glad that, uh, you know, I got to see you in person. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. You know, it's just. Yeah. So it is great. Thank you so much. And I'll see you in October when I do your show. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. October the 7th. Yes. He's going to be here on October the 7th at Tavern 101 in Agora Hills. Get to see funny Eric Alegria. Yeah, be there. Pizza! This is Pizza!